The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 259 for Thursday, December 4th, 2014. I'm your host, Rich, and our call number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. As always, listener and viewer discretion is advised due to strong language and strong content. For those of you that are listening to the show remotely, you can use Mixler.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. You can also download the official Mixler app available for iOS and Android devices to listen to the show that way as well. But if you want to participate in the chat, watch the live video feed. You can go to MTRLive.com or GFQLive.tv. Archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, plus on MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks.net. All right, so yesterday, or should I say partially last night and this morning, um, we did episode 258 covering mixed martial arts and pro wrestling, uh, dug a little deep into the CM Punk interview with Cole Cabana and also the Stone Cold uh, podcast with Vince McMahon. We really, we really went in on that. Uh, John Blade was kind enough to give me the assist. Ben joined me to talk a little bit of MMA, and that episode is currently available in archive for iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. Plus, of course, if you want to watch the video feed, you can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash MyTakeRadioTV. Uh, the video will also be uploaded to RageWorks. After this broadcast is finished and this episode also will be available on our RageWorks and YouTube, um, our RageWorks and My Take Radio YouTube channels. Uh, we got a lot of stuff on deck this weekend, including uh, reviews for the Moto X, the Motorola 360 smartwatch. Uh, Slick has Captain Toad's treasure tracker on deck. I got a WWE 2K15 review for the Xbox One. We got some accessories also that we're reviewing including a Bluetooth headset that I purchased, which I figured I'd put a review out for because there were a couple of things about it that I'm sure some of you guys are going to want to know about. And considering how how solid it is and the small issues that it has, it's really a pretty decent 
Bluetooth stereo headset. So we're going to have that on deck as well, plus a ton of other stuff. So I'm definitely looking forward to um, sharing all that with you in the coming days. Now, uh, a couple of things I got asked about, which I want to address. First up, though, I do want to address our broadcast schedule for the remainder of December. The official last dates for my take radio shows for 2014 are December 17th, Wednesday and December 18th. Of course, December 17th will be our MMA and wrestling and December 18th will be our gaming and entertainment shows. Those will be the last two shows for 2014. Then my take radio will take a break for the holidays and we'll be back live uh, January 7th and January 8th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. That is the plan thus far. So uh, make note of that if you guys are trying to get the, um, you know, want to listen to all the live shows. Otherwise, as I mentioned at the start of the show, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes are your sources. Of course, as always, if you are getting the shows via iTunes, please take a moment to review the shows. We would really, really appreciate it. Helps us move up the rankings, get us noticed, and obviously it's always good for you guys because better notice and better placement for us gets us cooler guests and cooler stuff as well. All right, so what are we talking about tonight? We are going to talk about this week's gaming news. We got a ton of entertainment news that really started picking up steam uh, closer to tonight's broadcast, including the casting of Doctor Strange. We want to talk about the Suicide Squad casting. Definitely want to get into that. The Deadpool movie is a go courtesy of Ryan Reynolds and um, a tweet that he put out earlier today, um, which pretty much validated that Deadpool is going to be a go and Ryan Reynolds will be reprising his role of Wade Wilson. In addition to that, I do want to share my thoughts on the Terminator Genesis trailer. I want to talk about the 88 seconds of Star Wars that has the internet in a tizzy and a bunch of other stuff. As always, I will take your listener calls 347-324. 3541 3473243541 Yes, I will be talking about Batista's newly announced role. I am very excited for that entire cast mortis, so definitely thank you for asking that. Um as I said, a couple of questions popped up today from various outlets, various listeners, and I wanted to kind of cover those with you guys. Um first up, Will we be merging My Take Radio TV on YouTube with our Rageworks channel? Um, To answer that, as of right now, that is not the plan. The My Take Radio YouTube channel has been moving forward with um, only My Take Radio episodes. All our reviews, videos, and all our other content will be on our Rageworks channel, which is youtube.com forward slash official Rageworks. So if you're a Uh, hardcore YouTube watcher, do yourselves a favor, make sure you are subscribed to My Take Radio TV and you are also subscribed to Official Rageworks on YouTube. All our gameplay, our demos, um, our Blast from the Past features and and all our other stuff will be on the Rageworks channel going forward. Now, the other thing I did want to discuss was um, I've, I've pretty much decided after a lot of debate that there will be no necessity for forums going forward. And even Facebook to a degree is not as aggressive as it used to be for us reaching you guys. And the reason that I wanted to talk about that is because if Facebook and I got to give full credit to dark helmet, uh, Facebook is going to continue to cramp to clamp down on independent brands and companies 
that do not pay for advertising with regards to messages being reached. And it's been incredibly stressful um, for me because, you know, we have 3000 fans for my take radio and we're trying to migrate everybody to Rageworks as well. And, you know, it's a it's an uphill climb. And part of the reason is because a lot of a lot of guys are telling me that they're not seeing our content being listed. That's why, if you've noticed, a lot of our staff are also posting our content on their personal pages. So if Slick writes a review and you know Slick personally, you're going to see the review there. Um, Same rules apply with Quark, Blade and the rest of the MTR team, because, you know, it's just it's just incredibly difficult. I mean especially for the Rageworks content. So um, we're going to try and and be more aggressive in 2015 with ensuring that our content reaches you guys. We are trying to branch out, do a little bit more on Google Plus, do a little bit more on Twitter, only because at least at that point, your, your content is being consumed right on the spot and it's not being filtered on the basis of deep pockets. And, um, you know, it's something we're going to go more aggressive with. The other thing I did want to touch on is... Uh, new writers. We definitely would like to have uh, more writers involved with Rageworks going forward. So if you have a passion for MMA, pro wrestling, gaming, entertainment, comics, and, and you share those passions the same way we do, I definitely would love to hear from you if you're looking to build a portfolio and are looking to join a very close-knit, practically family dysfunctional family dynamic. Uh, drop me a line at rich at rageworks.net or um, MTR host at mytakeradio.com. Send me a writing sample and um, we'll definitely set up a probationary period and get your content out there. Like I said, definitely looking for expansion across the board only because I know there's there's a lot of out there's a lot of areas that are just tough to cover amongst all of us for a variety of reasons. But I you know I do owe a lot to the people that have been working with us from the very beginning. And um, I see Danny has entered the chat. Got to give Danny a shout out. She's been incredibly helpful. Her and her colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine have done a lot of stuff to help us out. And, um, you know, she's uh, she you know, she's good people. Definitely look for Royal Flush Magazine on Facebook. Give them a follow on Twitter and, you know, become a fan. They always do awesome giveaways. We're going to be working with them on a very cool holiday giveaway and also uh, Danny and her team will be joining uh, myself and maybe Slick for the Video Game Award uh, live blog uh, tomorrow evening, I believe. We're going to try and get that all set up. And, um, you know, we're going to get the ball rolling with regards to that. Uh, with regards to everything else regarding My Take Radio and Rageworks in 2015, um, we're going to go more aggressive. We're going to do more event commentary. Uh, we're going to do more videos. I know a lot of you guys really like uh, the blast of the past, fe- the blast from the past features that we do. Um, I actually got some comments from the Samurai Showdown video I posted and WrestleFest and some of that stuff. So I'm definitely going to try and allocate more time to do more streaming. And we're going to try and get that stuff uh, really, really more uh, front and center in 2015. So I figured you guys would want to know that. Um, if you're noticing a lot of drinking, I am. Um, I got a weird thing on the side of my tooth. I got to get one of my wisdom teeth pulled. So, uh, yeah, fun times with that shit. So uh, uh, don't mind me if I'm consuming copious amounts of monster. Uh, just trying to make sure that I stay uh, alert for you guys. So 
Uh, before we jump into the gaming segment, I uh, just want to try and make this uh, something that is mandatory going forward. I just want to do a um, a sound check with Slick just to make sure everything is uh, all good. <laughs> Thank you, Slick. Thank you very much. Slick, you there? What's up, man? All right. Just want to make sure we are all good. So clearly our phone lines are working. This is going to have to be the new thing going forward so we don't get caught out there with um, uh, the stuff not working. Uh, before I, I actually get the gaming segment rolling, uh, you did pick up Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, and you also picked up uh, Kingdom Hearts also, right? Yes. I just got those in the mail today. Um King Mark had to wait a little bit on. I was kind of surprised that I got Captain Toad early since that doesn't officially drop until tomorrow. Ah, yeah, you're right. Ah, right, based on what we were talking about with the video, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Good, I actually... But, like... um, it's, it's pretty cool, though. It's just like, it's kind of like a slightly gimped Mario World, I mean, Mario Galaxy, because Toad can't jump, which is... <laughs> really weird, but it's it's a they they definitely went out of their way to keep the feel of the Mario games, but give a new dynamic because it, it's a different way to control them and everything. And of course, there's different characters and shit. I'm only like three levels in, but the puzzles are already starting to drive me crazy, which is classic Mario. So I'm sure I'm gonna love it. Awesome! Uh, I look forward to your review for that and. Um... If you want to chime in for the gaming segment, just let me know. I'll bring you back in. Uh, the entertainment segment is probably going to be the bigger bulk of the show just because with with gaming, and you guys know this as much as anybody, it's going to get not quiet from a news standpoint, but it's just going to be rapid-fire releases based on what we were talking about. You know, Ubisoft in particular with Assassin's Creed, The Crew, Far Cry, just one after the other after the other. So there's not really, um, there's not a lot of stuff going on, you know? With regards to mainstream news, it's mostly, oh, this game's coming out, this game's coming out, this game's coming out, and here are all the sales. Which, as a matter of fact, Best Buy's doing the uh, the buy two, get one free uh, this coming weekend. Nothing? I'm shocked. I didn't know you still, I didn't know you still had me on the line, man. I apologize. No, 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 I was just... I was shocked that, you know, hearing Best Buy is doing a buy two, get one free, especially because you always work out a lot of deals with them. I'm shocked you didn't you, you didn't uh, chime in saying that you were going to pick up some stuff from them. Well, I, right now, I honestly don't have anything left to pick up. Cause really? I, mean, I got Captain Toad. Right. I got um, Kingdom Hearts. I made sure I got the limited edition of... of um, what do you call it? Guilty Gear. So, really, I mean, there's not much left for me to buy in December. All right. Well, there you have it. All right, so our sound check is good. Let me jump into this week's gaming segment. Of course, if you want to chime in, let me know, and I will cue you back up. Will do. All right, brother. All right, so let's get into this week's gaming news because we got a ton of stuff to do. And, of course, like I said, our entertainment news are going to be pretty lengthy because there are a lot of awesome announcements. Let's get that ball rolling, shall we? All right, so here's the, here's the funny thing with this week, and 
I've been I've been trying to get through my backlog of stuff and all the stuff I got to review, and I've noticed that the rush for games to get out the door is really stressing a lot of my fellow gamers out. As I said uh, a few minutes ago in speaking with Slick, you know, between Far Cry, The Crew, Assassin's Creed and all its issues, Halo and its issues, WWE 2K15 and its issues, plus all the deals that were going on for Black Friday, not to mention Nintendo's really, really aggressive holiday push. I almost feel that gamers, by the time Christmas comes around, are going to be extremely burned out. And... I'm feeling it already only because as somebody who's trying to to cover all this stuff and review all this stuff and keep my finger on the pulse of it every day, it almost feels like there's 14 different announcements, most of which aren't even important, and they kind of muck up everything else that's going on. Uh, one particular bit of news I got to talk about is what I mentioned last week with Assassin's Creed giving their season pass, um, Ubisoft giving away the Assassin's Creed season pass due to all the glitches and issues while that was a massive story it kind of just got pushed to the side based on the fact that you know black friday all the all the specials that were going on there was so much at play that i know people that were still buying season pass passes for assassin's creed and i had to tell these people hey if you didn't scratch them off take them back because you can get that stuff for free and a lot of people were like, oh, man, you know, thanks. You know, they, they were appreciating the heads up. And that's what I mean. Like, there's so much going on. There's so much information floating back and forth that people aren't they're not getting educated at a fast enough rate. Like I said, Best Buy in particular, they're still selling Assassin's Creed Unity season passes. And they're not even doing the service of letting people know, hey, uh, the company's giving this away for free and they're not taking them off the shelves. So clearly retailers are out there still taking advantage of that. And I got to tell you, my fellow geeks and gamers and uh, MTR listeners, do yourselves a favor. If you're picking up Assassin's Creed Unity or if you know someone that is receiving the season pass as a gift, do yourselves a favor and return it immediately because the season pass is available for free. I cannot stress it enough. People are going on the hook for 30, 40 bucks, whatever it costs for the season pass for nothing because they are giving the season pass away for free. Do not get caught out there with that shit because it's 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 happening in more places than I would care to care to discuss. And I've seen people just saying that, too. And Danny said it best. They should offer refunds. And I agree 100 percent. They should. But you know what the problem is? People are buying it from the store, going home, scratching it off and redeeming it. And sure, you would think that Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus would say, hey, you know, the the developer or the publisher is giving this to you for free. We're going to give you a refund. But what's happening is I asked a couple of guys at my, my local Best Buy. I'm like, hey, you know, they're giving this away for free, right? And they were like, no. And I'm like, yeah, well, Ubisoft, uh, due to all the glitches in the game, is giving the season pass away for free. So how are you guys? How would you guys handle that? And they said that if they scratch it off, they automatic, you know, it's automatically purchased. There's no returns once it's scratched off. Danny gave a good suggestion, though, that they they should be given, you know, Xbox Live credits or at least a monetary value on Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus or even the opportunity for, to redeem it for a title if they enter the code for a season pass and Danny definitely is on to something but I also feel that this holiday season with the continued 
uh, strengthening of digital distribution, especially for Xbox, Xbox One and PS4, um, retailers are getting annoyed with with you know Sony and Microsoft because think about it, they're losing revenue because these are people that aren't going to walk into the store and bought the, buy an extra controller, or these aren't people that are buying um, game credits, or these aren't people that are buying headsets unless they really need them. I know guys that they're so into the digital distribution that they know at 11.59 the day before that their game is going to be ready for download, and by the time they wake up in the morning, they'll be able to start rocking and rolling. And what's happening is, and I've seen this discussed in a couple of different media outlets that there really there really are a lot of companies uh GameStop of course being number 1 on that list that are that are trying their hardest to compete essentially against you know Sony, Nintendo and Microsoft because what they're doing is they're losing that foot traffic that yes would buy a game but possibly would buy something else and I mean I understand I understand where that's coming from but I also feel that that's one of the reasons why the medium of gaming as a whole needs to do more than just you walk into a store and buy a physical copy of a game. I mean, GameStop is trying to do all kinds of shit. Sell you used Amiibos, um, used um, Skylanders, et cetera, et cetera, because they know that if people are in there buying the games, they're they're going to walk out with that stuff for free. Now, Slick says, but it's still the company that makes the game that makes it available digitally. That is true. But where where a lot of uh, companies feel upset is that they're losing that residual traffic. It's like what I was talking about yesterday with my incident at the T-Mobile store where companies don't make, uh, you know, the T-Mobile store doesn't make money on the phones. They make money on the accessories. And you know what? During a time when I was running a, a video game store on eBay, I used to buy PlayStation 3 games and sell them on my eBay store. So a game that would run you $49.99, you would get it from the distributor from anywhere to from $45 to maybe $42, depending on the game, unless it was just a really subpar game that you may get for $40. At the end of the day, the profit line on, on disc-based media is, you know, uh, on, a, on like I said, on a $50 game for me, I was making $4 in profit. So I would have to sell, you know, 10, 15, 20 copies of a game to make any sort of revenue whatsoever. And that was one of the things that kind of turned me off from running, you know, running my own my own gaming store because as as a gamer and somebody who really is passionate about this, that was one of the things I used to talk about doing when I was younger, I used to say, yeah, I'm going to open up a video game store and people are going to be able to play and do all this stuff. And I figured I'd get my I get my feet wet by selling on eBay. You know, I had my merchant's ID and I was picking stuff up and it was great. But I really I, it was a it was a very, very humbling situation when, you know, you sell 10 copies of a game at, you know, 50 bucks a pop and your profit at 10 bucks a game you know your profit when you're walking away from it is $40. It's 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 insanity. And um and yeah, definitely digital distribution was unheard of, but even still, I just wanted to cite that because I wanted to give you guys um insight into how it works. The real money is made on accessories, not even on consoles because when I, you know, when I was trying to get consoles, you know, a PlayStation 2 or a PlayStation, you know, a PlayStation 2 in particular, um they would, you know, they'd sell it maybe two bucks below retail, three bucks below retail. 
Same thing with a PlayStation 3 at the time. It was a couple of dollars below retail. It wasn't a lot. So in order for you to make that kind of revenue that really is 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 staggering, you'd have to have either a really big store or you'd have to mark things up or you'd have to sell used games. I mean, during the during a period that I worked in a in a game store, in a video game store, not a a GameStop, but like a mom and pop. You know, my boss, he was he was a cool dude. He taught me a lot of shit, and he said it. He's like, listen, the only way that we make money on new consoles is if we either sell them as bundles and give people games that they may not want, or if we try and get them to buy, you know, memory cards, controllers, any of that shit, because that's the shit that really actually pads a lot of those numbers so i want to put that into into perspective for you guys because you know when you're giving those games out you know for half price on black friday or you're buying them for 30 bucks it's it's not so much that they want you in there to buy the game for half price but they know that you're not just gonna walk out of there with one game i mean even myself with with some of the blu-rays i picked up you know i picked up um edge of tomorrow it was 7.99 uh, Black Friday, I picked that up. Maleficent, uh, which my wife wanted, that was nine ninety nine. Um, what else did I pick up? I picked up a couple of other movies again for for very cheap. But my original plan was to walk in there and buy. Oh, my original plan was to buy walk in there and buy X Men: Days of Future Past because that one was going to be ten dollars. And I said to myself, you know, for ten bucks, that's great. And as I wandered through the store, I ended up picking up more shit. You know, I ended up picking up more shit. And um, before you know it, I had I think I had 50 bucks, 60 bucks worth of Blu-rays. And, you know, it was. Yeah, I went in there for one one film one. And before you know it, I walked out of there with a bag full of stuff. And that's what the retailers want. They want you. They don't want you browsing and then buying the shit online. They want you to go in there and buy the stuff. So, you know, I just want to tell you guys that. The retailers are making money on all the other shit, you know, pre-orders, all that garbage. That's where the real money's coming from, not these games. I have a feeling that a fifty-nine ninety-nine game to get it from a distributor now. If I called the distributor I used to use, it would probably be fifty-four bucks, maybe fifty-six at best. And then, you know, if you sell it for sixty, maybe you sell it for sixty-two. I mean, that's what I used to do. I used to sell them on eBay when they were forty-nine ninety-nine. I'd sell them for for 52 with free shipping or something like that just so I could get rid of all the volume that I had purchased because I was buying all the games cash so uh, you know I was buying 10 games 20 games and at a click just with my own money just trying to flip it back and make some sort of a profit but it is a it is a hard hard business if you know right if 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 slick or if myself and slick decided to open up a game store it would probably have to be a a mishmash of all the other shit we like like it would have to be a video game store slash comic book store slash arcade slash you know collectible shop because that's really the only way that you're gonna make money in this game especially in the gaming industry and i wanted to share that with you guys and you know it was a little off topic because the fact is I talk to a lot of a lot of guys younger than me, a lot of a lot of younger younger kids that are interested in hey, I want to open up my own game store or hey, I want to do this or I want to open up an internet cafe or etc. And yeah, you can do all that, but the real money's going to come from you stuff 
and from other other benefits, whether it's selling accessories or having an arcade. I mean, there's a there's a store here in New York City in Astoria that I go to, which is called Beast Mode. And this guy, he has a really cool setup. He sells new titles at, at a pretty low price. He sells you a lot of used stuff, but he also has consoles set up and he hosts events. So by having people in there playing these systems, you know, for events and stuff, he sells concessions, you know, popcorn, some soda, stuff like that. And he also sells extra controllers. Maybe the kid wants a memory card. And in doing that, he's really able to supplement his his income even more so. Because think about it, these guys come in, they want to do uh, a Smash Brothers tournament or a Street Fighter tournament, and he charges them $10 or $20 a pop, he's 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 making straight cash at that point. Because maybe he got those systems used from somebody for 50 60 bucks, and now he's, he's taking that, and in three or four games or three or four events, he's making that money back sometimes double and triple. And, you know, like I said, I just I just want to share that with you guys because there's there's a lot of opportunities out there to make money. And in this industry, the gaming industry, you could do a lot of awesome and unique stuff. But you got to you got to definitely have some skill and you got to know how to how to leverage the system accordingly. So there you have it. I figured I would share that with you guys. Well, speaking earlier of Assassin's Creed and what they're doing, what Ubisoft is doing to, um you know, remedy all the backlash from Assassin's Creed Unity. Well, conveniently enough, the next Assassin's Creed was already leaked out. That was Assassin's Creed Victory, which is going to be taking place in Victorian London. Now, of course, everybody's saying that it was a leak. And if anybody and if anybody's well versed in the rules of the Internet at this point, you all know that nothing is leaked by accident. Everything is leaked on purpose. So, you know, considering the backlash from Assassin's Creed Unity and how they said, hey, we're going to make up for that. Here's a, you know, you guys are going to find out first about this new Assassin's Creed drop in next year. I just took it as you guys leaked that because you wanted to soften the blow of people being pissed off about Assassin's Creed Unity. And that's that's pretty much it. I continue to stand by the fact that I'd like to see an Assassin's Creed in feudal Japan. And I'd like to see an Assassin's Creed now in the present, you know, with maybe part of the game taking place in one time period, but the rest of the game taking place now. And when I mean now, I mean, you know, assassinations in New York City where you're able to scale uh, buildings in Brownsville, Brooklyn or um, games, you know, instances where you're in certain boroughs. Maybe you got to assassinate a guy on a subway and just recreating New York City or maybe recreating Los Angeles or, you know, uh, Canada or whatever the case may be. But just making it more. I I just want to feel more, more in touch with the game. Like, don't get me wrong. There's so many historical periods that you could take advantage of. Like I said, feudal Japan is probably one of my favorites. I'd love to see feudal Japan. Um as crazy as it sounds and as cliched as it is, I'd like to see an Assassin's Creed taking place during maybe World War II, uh, maybe in Nazi Germany, something like that. Something something unique, something a little bit more edgy versus the typical parkour, look at me, I'm running around with my fancy outfit in, you know, X country in, you know, the 1700s, the 1800s, whatever the case may be. And I personally feel that I think it would just give us, the fans of the series, a little bit more of a connection like when i when i played the first game 
I felt, you know, I I felt the first game needed a lot of work. Uh, when Ezio Auditore came into the picture and all his games, I, I, I just became truly enamored with the series. And then when Assassin's Creed 3 came out, you know, um, just having it take place here in, in, in the U.S. And not only that, not only that, but just the accurate representations of, of Native American culture were, were amazing to see in such a way. Like, you know, they had um, real uh, historians, Native American historians sharing um, all the right things that they needed to do, all the dialects, all the th- all the pronunciations, all the customs, and that stuff to work. I mean, Black Flag also, to an extent, you know, they did something different, approaching it with piracy and the hero being a little bit more gray, and, and that was fine, but, you know, there's more to it. Like I said, Feudal Japan playing as, you know, a um, a ronin trying to protect... Uh, you know, his, his show, you know, trying to protect the Shogun, but also being an assassin and trying to split that up. And, you know, maybe also a guy who's doubling as a samurai, but also as a ninja and that type of stuff, you know, you're creating dynamics and you're also making people interested in stuff that people want to see. I've, I've read on countless message boards, how people would like to see a remake of Tenshu stealth assassins. And the reason why that is, is because people like fucking ninjas People like ninjas, samurais, they love all that shit. So why 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 isn't Ubisoft embracing that and making use of it? Just just something I wanted to put out there. But in any event, as I said, Assassin's Creed Victory was leaked, and you'll be able to get your hands on that next year. Alright, so Slick just sent me a communique that he wants to chime in, so let me bring him on. Um he has some uh interesting commentary with regards to ubisoft so let me bring him on board slick hit me what do you got you know what i'd like to see about assassin's creed please humor me i'd actually like to i'd actually like to miss assassin's creed this is true maybe every every other year every year is too much yep every other year every two years like i said wouldn't it be cool to play an assassin's creed as a fucking ninja in feudal japan maybe in 2016 not fucking next year (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to get to E3 and have <laughs> Here Ubisoft we go. do their presentation and see a guy in a hood and be like, holy shit, it's back! Instead of, oh, that's what they're doing this year? Yep. You know what You know what the funny thing is? I'm glad you bring that up because, and Danny can attest to this because Danny's covered her fair share of events as well. Is it me or are more and more gamers and gaming press not becoming not as excited for for storied franchises like when the next call of duty was announced i expected there to be an eruption of you know excitement instead there was an an eruption of meh that's what it was (laughs) it was just an eruption of the crowd goes mild you know like i just i just don't understand that and and the same thing when halo when halo's master chief collection was announced while yes people bought it and people were excited. I just don't feel I'm not seeing the same amount of passion for those franchises because people are are getting them every year. Like as as a member of the, of the gaming media, I'm sure uh some of some of my fellow non-shitty scumbag journalists will will go out there and they will say, "Hey, you know, it's cool that we're seeing this game, but we saw something similar last year. So what's different this year?" Well, uh, there's more trees and, um, yeah, the outfits are more detailed and the crowd, you can have 
500 people in the street versus 100 in the last game. Okay. What else? Uh, the trees. <laughs> you know, like, like think about the it. Dogs. Yep, the dogs. I'm glad you brought that up for Call of Duty. But think about it. Like, you look at, um, and, and as cliched as it is, let's look at Madden. And whether you're a sports fan or not, let's just look at Madden. The game of football as a sport doesn't necessarily evolve, you know, leaps and bounds every year. So why not do one year on, one year off, and maybe that year would be a roster update, and then it would be a fresh, reinvigorated, new engine, new platform, whatever the case may be, the following year. I mean, with WWE 2K15, it's a prime example as wrestling fans, Slick, you can attest to the fact that the roster in wrestling changes like this. So why would you want to play the same game next year when you could do it every other year and just do a roster update or a patch? You get what I'm saying? You know, wait until you actually have something of worse exactly. to to the crowd. Exactly. Like but right see, now. The problem, Go ahead. the problem is the reason why they don't do that is because... Collectively, when I say we, I mean gamers, are sheep. We complain about all this shit, but we, and I don't mean you and me, but in general, we still buy it. I mean, take Call of Duty, for example. Call of Duty, the the average score for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare on Metacritic, and this is the user score. These are players rating it. Right. Average score is 5.8. That's terrible. Right. But how much has the game made? Oh, dude, millions. Exactly. So regardless of how you feel about it, you're still fucking going out and buying it. Yep. If you think it's going to be the same old shit, don't fucking buy it. Well, that's the... That's the I mean, uh, what I was going to say is that's the, that's the obvious answer, but here's here's one thing for me. Like Assassin's Creed, I've played every game, but I've, I got, I've gotten... I've been bitten twice with three and with four. Like, I like how they played. I didn't like the story or I didn't like the ending. So, you know what I end up doing? Maybe Black Friday, half price. Maybe a Gamefly rental. Maybe I borrow it. Like, I'm not running to buy it in the store on day one anymore. And it sounds, it sounds bitter or it sounds like, it sounds like me being an old guy, but it's also me being a responsible gamer because what I end up doing, what I end up doing is, and, and you may agree with this. You go, you buy the game on day one. Maybe you have a backlog of other games. So that game doesn't exactly get it play right away. Then when you finally open it up and the value of the game is either half or in the shitter and you realize that the, you realize that the game was garbage, then what? You know? Even if it winds up being good, you realize, like you said, by the time you open it, yep. how, much, how much the price has dropped. You could have bought it then. And unless, again, unless it's some kind of limited edition right. that has some extra shit that you're not going to be able to get, then you could have paid half half price or even like thirty, forty bucks less. Dude, I'm gonna and still got the game. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your mind with this. Remember when Assassin's Creed Three came out and you got your Connor statue and the and the bundle was a hundred and fifty dollars. Well, I know Best Buy had it like sixty a few bucks later for like sixty bucks. For like for sixty dollars, dude. Here here's a good one. That hundred and fifty dollars Street Fighter box set, how much did I pay for that? Well, like forty bucks. 40, there you go. Bucks. Yep. 
And this is what I'm saying. Like, like, sure, I could have bought a day one and I could have been like, oh, this is amazing. Look at this glowing Ryu statue. You know, I'm so excited. But I'm just excited that I got the motherfucker for forty dollars. You know, because I mean, most I mean, in that situation, most of the stuff that was in it, you and I both, we already had it. Yep. There was no point whatsoever in paying that much. Well, I'm going to I'm going to pose this to the chat. And um, you you know what? Slick, remind me or even you do it later on if you want. I'd like to ask how many games do you do any of you listening currently have in your backlog? And be be honest, like like slick. How many games behind are you? Please, a roundabout number. Nothing. If we really, if we really get down to it, I'm consoles behind. <laughs> well, and and that and that and see that you're consoles behind. And even you, there's certain games you buy day one, but there are instances where you're like, eh, I'll wait, or eh, if you get it, uh, you know, I'll try it out, or. Oh, it's free on PS uh, PlayStation Plus this month. That's a different backlog, and you and I were joking about that. Because think about it. We have a physical backlog of games. We got a digital backlog of games. Because I'm sorry to say it, even even you cheap bastards or you picky fucks are getting every free game that comes out and downloading it. Even if you don't play this shit, because you're like, yeah, I'll play it eventually when I'm bored. Am, am I wrong? We were joking about that with Injustice. You're like, ah, fuck that game. But I said, dude, download it anyway, because you never know. You might want to fuck with it for a little bit, you know? It's free. and I, I, I tend to be frugal with it, even in that sense, but just because of the fact I know that if, if I keep downloading shit just because it's, it's free when I actually want something, right. I won't have any space. Well, that's that's one way to look at it, but you know, Mortis Mortis writes. He goes, "You can you say that like it's wrong." Oh, dude, it's definitely not wrong. But you know what the problem is? That in 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 jumping on board, we're creating more work for ourselves. And then what happens is, what becomes a pastime becomes a hindrance. You know what I'm saying? So, in, for instance, if you buy a game and you figure, ah, maybe I'll beat it and then I'll sell it. If I finish it in two weeks, I'll sell it, get half my money back, and buy X game that's coming out. You know, that's the strategic way to do it. But the problem is that more and more of us are not able to do that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, because it's people actually want to enjoy. Exactly. Like, Mortis brings up Humble Bundle and Steam sales. Think about that. You and I are over here talking about consoles. Let's not even talk about the poor bastards on Steam. Every time a Steam sale gets announced... Every time a Steam sale gets announced, these poor guys, they go, well, there goes my check for this week, you know? And Mortis goes... That's why I started... No, uh, not to cut with you off. With these games with... Man, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, Mortis puts... I bought a game for 14 cents. 14 freaking cents. And I had no idea what it was. <laughs> go ahead, man. Unless it's part of a bundle, I wouldn't even mess with that. That's how that's how bad it's gotten for me. But it's like this is why I don't mess with a lot of these these new games sometimes. Like, let's take this week, the crew. Right. Ubisoft put an embargo on the game so that no one could review it before its launch. Yep, I heard and about they that. They cited some bullshit with the the, the online. Right. The bottom line is the game is not what they what they basically said it was gonna be. It, a lot of people are not enjoying it. A lot of people are shitting on it. Again, I go back to the average user score on um, Metacritic. 
the average score for the crew is 6.1. There you go. The game that was supposed to be the end-all, be-all of racing. It's supposed to be a freaking MMO for for arcade racing. And and people are like, fuck this game. (laughs) I mean, the, uh, the best thing Ubisoft has put out so far, as far as what you know, the, the users feel about it is Far Cry 4. As buggy as it is, you know, the average score for that one is 7.8. Well, but the, but here's the thing. Even even press outlets, even media outlets, remember how I told you that I believe it's Joystick or Kotaku have a column which is X Game Review so far because there's so much work that goes into it and there's such an expectancy that you got to turn it around quickly, that what's happening is, and, and this is, you know, a great example of this was Destiny, where people are just like, oh, you know, this fucking game, it's garbage. And then they're like, did you play it enough? Well, I had to review it and get the review out in a week or whatever the case may be. And then it's like, damn, this game is awesome. Now I got to go and amend my review or update my review. And this is what's happening. Like, the crew is a great example. The crew, it's like, oh, look at all this smoke and mirrors and all this awesome shit. Oh, but you can't play it yet. Oh, you guys want a demo? Eh, not happening. And then people go, they blindly buy the game because of the smoke and mirrors, and then they get shit on, which leads me to... Um, I almost fell for the smoke and mirrors, but when when Ubisoft had a demo on PS4 last week, you know, I download it and try to play it, and it doesn't work. It keeps saying that there's a problem with my online. Which How the fuck is that? It really isn't because I just finished playing with people. I was like, you know what? I'm not fucking running out and buying this game. Because if there's a problem with the demo, there's a problem with the fucking game. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I want to I wanna look at the December lineup for, for PlayStation Plus because I mentioned this in a, in a post on Rageworks. And for those of you that don't know, it's... On PlayStation 4, they're dropping Injustice Gods Among Us Ultimate Edition. You're getting it for free. MSRP on that game right now on pretty much every console is $19.99. I should know. I bought it because, you know, I didn't feel like buying all the DLC. And you know what I ended up doing? Selling my original copy for for $15. So essentially the game cost me 5 bucks. No biggie. But then they're also giving you Secret Ponchos which is an original game debuting on the PS4, and PlayStation 3 is getting the Hitman trilogy with three Hitman games plus a director's cut of Deadly Premonition. Now, think about that. The Hitman trilogy alone is three fucking games. Who's playing that right now? But but everybody's going to hit download. I know I am. Sony's trying to make up for the big fuck-up last... Um, no, not last month, in October, with... Freaking um, drive club, drive club, right? That's what that is. It's 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 insanity, dude. And and the thing that gets me is that you know Mortis Mortis says he was agreeing with Dark Helmet because Dark Helmet said uh, gaming when it when we were kids and teenagers it was a hobby. As an adult, it's a chore. And Mortis added, you know, you're right. I don't play nearly as much as I used to. Everybody I want to play with is always too busy or I'll get on for about half an hour and don't feel like playing anymore. Danny also shared the same sentiment and Mortis added. I sometimes feel, uh, you know, I sometimes uh, feel like I'm abandoning a hobby, but I also have more responsibilities these days, you know, and that that's what happens too. as the culture evolves. You know, I don't understand how guys 
grown ass guys our age, you know, in their late in their early thirties, late thirties, are cranking out a hundred plus games of Madden in two days. It's like I need motivation to hit fucking start. <laughs> like it's crazy. Well, those dudes like they some dudes like you know, like us, we like to actually play with people we know. Some dudes really don't care, especially with games that are competitive like that. They right. just go in to uh, beat whoever they can. They don't care who they're playing. And they they get on as soon as they get home and, you know, basically until it's time for them to go to sleep. And I know this because I work in an office that's primarily women. And I hear them complain about their... <laughs> their significant others. Right. Like, I can't get them off that fucking Xbox and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, pop a titty in his face. And they're like, oh. <laughs> it's terrible, but I it's mean, true. Bottom line, exactly. The way, I, the way I see it, the way I see it, and this is this is where where I'll, I'll leave it before moving on, between free games on Xbox Live Arcade, free games on PlayStation Plus, uh, you know, rentals from Gamefly, Games that are discounted within weeks of being released, you're, you you end up you end up taking your hobby and making it a job because you know what happens? You have a shelf full of games, but you don't know which one you want to play. You're like, oh, I want to play a game. You walk yeah. up and you're just like, ugh. Like you know what I what I got? I got the uh, the remat the redone uh, Devil May Cry DMC on PlayStation Three, and it was free on PS Plus, and I started playing it. And it, I, I enjoy it. You know, it's surprisingly a fun game. I'm like, fuck, I should have played this when it came out. You know? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Really have. Exactly. Then I'm like, ah, eh, was I, I really going to buy this shit? No. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's just, you get a you different appreciation. Because you, you didn't have to pay for it. Well, no, I'm enjoying it also because there's no restriction. You know what I mean? Like, I'm playing it at my own pace. Like I do, you know, one or two levels every couple of days and I go about my business and that's it. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no, there's no rush to get it done because the game is fairly old, you know? True. And that's what happens. I wanted to just, um, because there was a lot of talk about Assassin's Creed. What do you think the average user score is for Assassin's Creed Unity? Uh, probably a 5.6. You're being too generous. It's a 4.4. Right, but here's here's the thing, and, and before, but you know, before I I I I literally obliterate the logic in that, you gotta understand, you, me, some of our demographics, some of our listeners, we come from a generation where you'd beat a game and you get the fucking credits, you know, we come from a generation where Mario may or may not have one leg due to a glitch in a level, or you know, Yoshi doesn't have any eyes for whatever reason. And we'd still play the game. We'd be like, eh, glitch, moving on. You know, everybody knew that if you jumped, uh, you, if you put a green shell by the bottom of the steps near a pipe in Super Mario Brothers, and you kept jumping on it just right, you'd hit the score and max out the one-ups. Because that was a glitch. You know, it was, it was a hack and a way to, 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 to level the playing field. Nowadays, motherfuckers try and get on a server the night the game comes out and the minute it doesn't work, oh my god, the servers aren't fucking working. Fuck this game. You get what I'm saying? So to see a 4.4, sure, you're, there's probably a lot of people that have legitimate gripes. But I also feel 
that there's probably people that are just bitching for the sake to bitch. You get what I'm saying? I don't know, because just what you just mentioned about, you know, the day comes on, shit ain't working. That same thing happened with the relaunch of Grand Theft Auto Five. I mean, there are still problems with the online. Right. But the average score for that on Metacritic is 8.1. Right, but you know why the score for that game on Metacritic is 8.1? Because there's a lot of extra shit that detract attention from the shit that's fucked up. Namely, first-person first person oral treats. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Smoke and mirrors. Not you, because, you know, like I said, we're, we're seasoned veterans of the shit. But you get what I'm saying? Like, if you're playing through the campaigns and maybe you're playing it for the first time on Next Gen, you're not going to be complaining about the shit that you complained about in, in Grand Theft Auto Online. You get what I mean? Because yeah. there are a lot of guys... I know, I know dudes I work with that they're like, yeah, man, I haven't bought a console in ages, but I had to make the jump, you know, for, you know, this reason or that reason. And that's what, and that's what happens. And, and a lot of people that are jumping on board for GTA five, I know quite a few dudes that this is the first time they've jumped on a game on a GTA game just because it, they just, it just, it was always in their face. You know what I mean? Well, one thing, aside from making a good game, one thing Rockstar knows how to do is fucking market. Absolutely. And and ladies and gentlemen, Slick used the million-dollar word, marketing. Commercials still go a long way. If you don't put your game on TV, no one knows it's fucking out. <laughs> Period. No one knows. Maybe they'll wander through the store and be like, oh, that's out. But commercials are still king. You could watch a dozen videos on YouTube, but that one commercial shown between your one your fifteen hundredth episode of CSI and your and your repeated airing of the Iron Chef may just be the one that grabs you. You know? Like 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 too many companies don't do that. They're they're too busy relying on guerrilla marketing or manufactured hype men that go out there and plug the and extol the virtues of a game that they've only played in a demo in a dark room at E3. Oh my god, this game is life altering and amazing and it just it just it pretty much told me the secret of life. You know what the secret of life is? It ends. <laughs> you know, like like get the fuck out of here. You know, you see these dudes like, "Oh my god, this game's so amazing, really." Do you know that it's running off a fucking laptop? <laughs> it's like Destiny, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about it, even though it's not for me. Destiny, they spend all this money using, like, real actors to put on costumes and shit and make live-action commercials right. next to a CGI that is not from the game. And, you know, they blow all their marketing money on commercials that people barely ever see. What does Rockstar do? They use not even a made-up trailer. They use game footage yep which basically it's already paid for yep game footage for the commercial which leaves the money to do what put up fucking billboards yep. in the subway put up billboards on times square put posters excuse me on buses dude that's why that game printed fucking money gorilla mark out last year gorilla marketing still works you know what i mean gorilla marketing is still an aggressive and time-honored tactic. The only thing that has to happen is you got to change your approach. 
with in Destiny's situation, you created a brand new IP, a brand new medium, you generated all this buzz, and you didn't prepare your audience for what to expect. People were thinking they were going to get some first person, I'm going to jump in and blow shit up, and that's going to be it. And they didn't realize, oh, I got to level this guy up? Fuck that. Or really, I got to do a raid? Fuck that. I got to do that? No way. Like, that's what it was. Like, people expected, oh, I'm just going to jump in and kill shit. And and they didn't realize. See, like, people that are coming over from PC games and people that are that are well-versed in, you know, World of Warcraft, stuff like that, they know the deal. And those are the guys that will jump on there and they'll say, yo, Destiny's fucking dope. Like, think about it. You've played, You've been playing games and you said, yo, Destiny's not for me. But I also know that you're not a guy who I'll call and say, yo, I'm leveling up this character. The only time I've heard that conversation is if you're playing fucking Pokemon. That's it. Or right? maybe GTA. Well, yeah, but the, the leveling up in GTA is just based on, yo, this dude has extra money and I'm going to do dual wield and, you know, buy mul- unlimited Molotov cocktails or whatever. the ca- You know what I mean? The leveling up is different in that capacity. But- I knew what you're saying, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I was addressing certain comments in the chat. Yeah, I see. But um, I wanted to bring to your attention, because I know you picked up Kingdom Hearts. They're working on developing Kingdom Hearts 3 for PS4 and Xbox One. And as we all know, Disney has two brand new licenses that they are dying to use. So with that said, which two licenses do you think you will see in Kingdom Hearts 3? Right now it's rumor, but you probably will see some Star Wars and Marvel characters. Very good. (laughs) It's like, it's like, oh, gee, as I didn't even finish reading the story as I was getting it ready for the show, and I'm like, oh, gee, what two licenses are you going to see? I don't know. Maybe the same two licenses that you might see in Toy Story 4? Oh, you mean those two? <laughs> those two? Oh, I think yeah. it's kind of a bad idea just because Kingdom Hearts 3 has been worked on for so long. I mean, the game's got to be pretty much done. Right. And it's like putting those franchises in it would be like a an afterthought and like it, it wouldn't i can't see it as you know like a luke skywalker or a, or a spider-man showing up in the game and and it's feeling natural right well like Kai, it's, it's gonna feel tacked on well taya suet said when he was asked about it he said yeah when asked about star wars or marvel he said well yeah they're all under consideration nothing is off limits we're considering all of the world's there are so many wonderful concepts we're happy about, but at the same time, it's really tough to choose. And just that answer alone set is 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 giving them a full license to print money. Because think about it. You jump through all these Disney universes. Since Kingdom Hearts come out, what else have they established? They establish, you know, essentially a Maleficent universe. They've, um, as, as crazy as it is, they established a John Carter universe. They've established. I would think that the best thing to do with the new franchises, if you're gonna put them in Kingdom Hearts three, right? Make them. I mean, this is Square Enix, so think Final Fantasy, right? Make these like areas, make them hidden areas that you can quote unquote stumble upon. Make them a place that you can go to get, you know, like a special weapon or or a special character. Make it optional. Don't make it part of the main story because I don't see it fitting in properly. Right. Well, fuck it. 
think, I mean, it's going to be on the new console. Make a DLC. This is the type of go. situation where DLC is a good thing. There you go. But but it's funny because, like I said, as, as soon as Kingdom Hearts, uh, you know, the new one came out that you picked up, I said, you know they're going to make a new one. And you know that they're chomping at the bit because they know that they could jump into some Marvel and some Star Wars shit with minimal effort. I, I, as soon as I saw it, without even reading this, I said, I said, two brand new licenses, two huge IPs, it would, you know... Who who doesn't want to see Sora swinging around on a web with Spider Man, or or wielding or wielding force powers, or riding on on a speeder bike? I don't know. Like I said, I just don't see it looking natural. I'm sure there are plenty of people who are dying for it. I'm not one of them. Like I said, make it optional. Make it DLC. Right. It, it should not be part of a main story. Yeah, I think I think uh, just I, because you know. Uh, no, 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 go ahead, you're right. Finish your, finish your thought. I mean, first of all, you think about the characters that you use in Kingdom Hearts. It's Sora, freaking Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. That's that's your team, basically. Yep. Adding, adding to that is not going to be... It's just not going to be natural. The only way that you would make that natural using those licenses, I'd add, you know, maybe a, a Buzz Lightyear. Or uh, Woody the Cowboy, or I'd add R two D two, or a C three PO, or an Ewok. You know, maybe Wicket. But I wouldn't add like you know Han Solo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, get out of here! Like that's just too outside. But 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 capture the characters that are inside that genre. Like if you were gonna do Marvel, it would be Squirrel Girl. Rocket Raccoon, Spider Ham, you get what I'm saying? Howard the Duck. Yeah. Like you would use the characters that are more in tune with that type of a series. Like you're not gonna have Sora running around with Wolverine, the Punisher. You know what I mean? Nick Fury. It's gonna look stupid. Now, see, when you put it that way, things will work. Cause I would honestly pay to see an argument between. Donald Duck and Howard the Duck. That yes, that would be fantastic, and that. But you know what it is that me hearing you say that just brings out, uh, you know, my inner fanboy for a, you know, for Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which took advantage of that with Daffy Duck and Donald Duck on screen at the same time. As a kid, you know, you look at that, you're like, holy shit, you know. Exactly. Dude, doing a board with Scrooge McDuck, Pogo jumping with a cane, like there's so much. Okay, there- I mean, things like that would be. But I mean, Scrooge McDuck is a you know a, a Disney character, so I mean, if it hasn't happened already, right? But what I'm saying is just taking advantage of the newer stuff that's been in the market. You know, Ducktales had that remastered game. Toy Story's back in the news. You get what I'm saying? Like just the stuff that's there that that kids can easily be like, oh yeah, I I played that or I saw that. You know, like you know, like Stitch or or some of these other characters. You know, Baymax, great great example. Baymax hero. All I'm saying is, if you, if you want to use these these new franchises that you've acquired, how about you give fans what they really want? Can I get another fucking Rogue Squadron game? I agree. A Rogue Squadron. Well, you know what's funny? There's been a rumor that they were working on on something similar. But the, here's the here's my my situation with Star Wars games. For every one or two good Star Wars games, you know, there's like ten shitty ones. 
Yeah, but there's never been a bad Rogue Squadron, and you have this thing called the Wii U that kind of ran that series, and I see that controller as being the targeting computer for X-Wing. Oh, that would be fantastic. I see a lot of possibilities. Dude, I'd love to see that, just targeting the Death Star and seeing that grid like in Star Wars, and you're trying to follow the map. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Danny Danny in the chat asks, have, have, have I played a... Go ahead. That controller, if you haven't used it, oh, that's right, I'm sorry, you didn't get it, I forgot. No, sir, but not the yet. The controller has a speaker on it, so hearing that speaker go, stay on target. Oh, it'd be fantastic. Stay on target. You know what's funny? I, I, I was watching my sister play it, because, you know, we got her the Wii U, and um, she's a big fan of shutting off the TV and playing it with headphones on on the tablet. So I walk downstairs, I'm like, Jesse, what are you doing? She's like, oh, Mario Kart. So I look, she's playing Mario Kart. And um, my sister, as, as I've said, she has autism and she has a, a very funny strategy. And it's not even a strategy. She will drive around, wait, drive around, get a huge lead, wait at the finish line till everybody gets close and then just drive over and win. So I'm watching her do this and I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, can I can I can I hear your headphones? So she has the headphones, and I'm like, holy shit, you know, like, like the sound is pretty damn good. And I'm watching her play this, and I said to myself, this feature right here with this, sh- with this fucking tablet, I, N- Nintendo should be fucking advertising the shit out of this, you know? Like what you just said, it's using not, it I as a... I want you to, to watch this video and maybe play it on the, the, um, the picture-in-picture. This is... <laughs> This is your sister playing Mario Kart. Oh no! Let me see if I can. It's an official Mario Kart um, video. Hold on a minute. Let's see if I can uh, add another camera, and um, let's see if we can do a little little picture in picture. Let's see what madness you have sent me that I can share with you guys. Copy link. Play this shit. Nope, it won't load. It won't load it in picture in picture for some reason. Damn it! Yeah, it sucks. Happens. But it's basically exactly what you you explained. The character using, uh, damn it, I, I can't bring her name to my to my the, the princess from Mario Galaxy. Oh, Daisy comes up to the finish line, Daisy, and waits for Mario to come up with a shell in tow. Right. As Mario's about to cross the finish line, she just backs into him. And the person edited the video, so they just did the show hit, and the, the, the picture goes black and white. You hear, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that is fantastic. It's like ultimate trolling, just like Mortis did. I, I want to answer Danny's question. Danny asked me if I'd ever played um, Kingdom Hearts. I hadn't played Kingdom Hearts since the first one. I actually wanted to pick up the PS3 one so I could jump back into it. Because I, you know, everybody tells me, "Hey, you got to really sit down and and invest some time in this game." So I definitely do want to pick it up. I haven't played one in fucking ages. Like I said, since the first one, I'm real out of touch with that shit. But um, yeah, man, I think I think the new licenses and, and all that. There's great potential there. I just feel that to to take it to that level, to to utilize those licenses, it's it's to add to what you said. It's either you got to go DLC. Or you got to use like the real super kid friendly shit that could interact with the stuff that's already there. You know, like Howard the Duck and Donald Duck, you know, Rocket Raccoon and Mickey Mouse. 
Groot, you know, just having Groot walking around, helping you out. Stuff like that is kind of cool. The problem is we come up with these ideas, but no one's paying us. Yeah, no one is paying us. But um, I, I did want to talk about two other things before we wrap up uh, the gaming segment. Uh, the Sony PlayStation celebrated 20 years, their 20th anniversary. And, of course, it would not be complete without a special anniversary edition PlayStation 4, which has an MSRP of $499. It is the original gray finish as the first PSX console. Plus, of course, if you want to change the theme on your current PlayStation 4, you can for nostalgic purposes. It's going to come in a commemorative box, and it is going to cost $499, but it is limited to 12,300 units. Uh, The console will be available for pre-order starting this Saturday via Sony's online store. Now, with that said, you know, to, to talk about sony and the playstation turning 20 years old i I wanted to share my first sony console i bought my sony playstation and you're gonna laugh do you remember that there used to be a paper that they would put out uh before craigslist that was called the bylines vaguely yes so the bylines you would look in there and it would have cars and apartments it was craigslist in print basically because you know you'd turn to the back page and it would say you know M for F, F for M, F for F, M for M. Oh god! Exactly. Yeah. So it would be. It would be. Here, here's yes, how. I, would, I remember this horrible shit. Yeah, and it was funny because it was. It had a color. It had a color paper cover, like like the old Daily News. And um, you'd open it up, and it would have you know furniture stuff like that. And I remember I looked in there, and I wanted a PlayStation. I saved up all my money, and I really, really wanted one. But it was real expensive in the store. So I'm like, damn, let me pick up the bylines. So I'm looking at the bylines and there's all these people selling PlayStations. And this lady, as punishment, sold me her son's PlayStation. She lived in Douglaston by the Toys R Us on that hill. Nice. Exactly. A rich Asian kid. Exactly. So I went, I bought this PlayStation. My brother went with me. You know, we're knocking on this strange person's door. And, you know, she's like, oh, come on in. And I'm like, okay, we're going to get killed. And um, I go in, dude, I go in, she turns on the console and everything works. She gave it to me with one, with one, with, uh, one controller, a memory card and battle arena to Shinden. Wow. <laughs> exactly. And I brought it home and my mother's like, what did you buy? Oh, I bought a PlayStation. And she's like, where'd you get the PlayStation from? And my brother's like, oh, we went to some lady's house and picked it up. She's like, what? You know, and, and, and that's that's pretty much like the original Craigslist. So hearing that PlayStation is 20 years, you know, it's a 20 year old system. Well, 20 years of PlayStation. It just brought back that level of nostalgia and seeing the console in that fucking original gray. That's all I could think of me uh, on the on the bus that went up to that neighborhood, knocking on some lady's door while her kids sat, uh, her kids sat dejected in the kitchen as I walked out with his PlayStation. It's 2.30, my friend. There you go. Dejected. This kid was sitting in the kitchen, furious. <laughs> Paid her in cash, and I walked out with a, with, a, with a gray PlayStation that had, like, a sticker on it and Battle Arena to Shinden. And I played the shit out of that game. I thought it was the most, the revo- the most revolutionary thing I ever played. I was like, oh, it's fucking awesome. You know? Especially because I love my I fighting games. Yeah, so you know, reminiscing about that and hearing about that, 
you know, to think that we went from all of that and those graphics to Uncharted, God of War, Arkham, uh, Arkham Asylum, the first one, which graphically at that time was, you know, ahead of the fucking curve, Metal Gear. You know what I mean? And, 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 and you see that and then you see that they they're putting out this console for 500 bucks. And I, I kind of wanted to put it out there because, you know, you being a multi console owner, um, re- thinking back, favorite PS1 game. Well, I have my own story because at the time I was the Nintendo junkie. I would not stray from Nintendo. I never, ever bought a Sega console. And to this day, I say fuck Sega. But um, I got my PlayStation very late in the life of the PlayStation 1. Right. Because of Driver. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Driver was the game back then. Actually, now that I remember, the real reason why I bought a PlayStation was because, aside from waiting for it to come out on PC, that was the only place I was going to be able to play Final Fantasy VIII. And I got it before Final Fantasy VIII came out, and my first two games were Driver and Street Fighter Alpha 3. Wow. Yeah, my first one was Battle Arena to Shinden in a play- when, when the PlayStation games had those long boxes. And, um, oh God, I remember yeah, those. yeah, I remember that. And there was a game, remember, it was a, um, one another game that I remember because it was just such a weird concept. Remember Psychic Force? Yeah, just barely. The, the fighting game that had the really cool anime and you're floating around fighting in the sky and shit. Awful. Just not awful, but just like, oh my God, why am I playing this? You want to talk awful? I had that game that was like, the Jurassic Park version of um, Resident Evil. Oh, Dino Crisis. Dino Crisis. Yeah, man. Another that game was god awful. <laughs> another another, another guilty pleasure. That was sort of like that, but it was a, a an RPG. You ever heard of a game called Galarians? I have. Yes, I remember that. Was that the with the, with like the bobble headed kid with the big eyes? Yeah, he had like crazy psychic powers. And yep. He didn't like. Jam this gigantic needle into his neck, he would, his head would explode. Yep. And it's like every five seconds, you go through a door and it shouldn't have to load. But all you would see is Galarian, Galarian. Yep. Galarian. I was like, my fucking head could explode <laughs> if I see that kid flash across the screen one more time. Dude, I remember, I remember playing. You know, it was funny. Like, like, and that's what I mean. Like, I wanted to share that because I wanted to hear these stories. Like, you know, Mortis is talking about trap gunner and i'm like oh my god you know and you know games like that and talking about that it's like we can talk about all these iconic series and which system had the better games but every system had just games that were either really good or really terrible and they just were their key moments in your life you know what i'm saying like i remember i bought my playstation one purchase was spurred by going to a kid's house down the block and him playing Resident Evil for the first time and blowing my mind. You know, when the dogs jump through the window, I'm like, oh, shit, shit just got real. You know, <laughs> on, some, on, yeah. on, on some bad boy shit. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And then, you know, I saved up and I went and I picked up the one and I got Battle Arena to shin them with it. And I'm just seeing just all these different games. And I'm like, man, this was, this was just an, an original, just a, such a unique moment. Like, you know, Mortis is talking about, you know, Twisted Metal 2, 
Hell, I'm th- I, I, he's talking about Twisted Metal 2. I remember fucking Twisted Metal 1 and the debacle that game was. The PlayStation has many fond memories for me. I mean, from the 1 all the way up to the 4, I can name, you know, just fantastic moments. I mean, there's the freaking eight-hour marathon gaming. I had one Sunday when I was, I think I was in college at that time, when I beat, what was it, Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, my God. I was so... Because I was so going nuts that day because, you know, anybody who's played Final Fantasy knows when, when you come into the final boss, you build up all your characters, you get all your items ready, you, you line up everything, you're ready for the battle. Like, yeah, I'm going to fuck this boss up. Yeah, I'm going to beat the game. I walk into that room. This chick is like, oh, no, no, no. You ain't fucking me up like that. You're not going to use the lineup that you prepared. <laughs> you, you, and you are going to fight me. I was like, fuck! <laughs> okay, she picked my main character and, like, two people that I had, like, no prep on. Oh, Jesus. She was wiping the fucking floor with us. And it was like, it was not like your normal Final Fantasy fight where, you know, people die, so, you know, you, you have somebody revive them. Yeah, you can have somebody revive them. If you didn't revive them in, like, 90 seconds, there was some shit where, like, this Moogle would appear on them. It's like, since this character was absorbed into time, bye-bye means you ain't ever coming back. <laughs> Mortis brought up such a great game, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Many hours invested in that. But I'm going to throw out a game. I'm going to throw out exactly. two games that I remember just dudes went crazy for. Wild Arms and... um. A game that visually was so crazy, but then I played it and I just wanted to break the PlayStation controller in half. Do you? Does, does anybody remember Vagrant Story? I remember the name, but I never played it. Oh, dude, freaking looks so beautiful, and then you play and you're just like, "Yo, fuck my life, my just my life." One only it. game that that makes you will make you weep because it to date it's still the best in the series. There are some that come close, even though they're overall technically better, prettier, blah, blah, blah. PlayStation 1, Spider-Man. Uh, yep, yep, I agree. Just the scene where you had to fucking chase Venom, and you were, like, crashing through buildings yep. and shit and all this stuff. It's like, why is it nobody makes good Spider-Man games anymore? Dude, that was... I mean, there are some that are okay, but that game was just fantastic. Dude, between between games like that, re- fucking Nightmare Creatures, Medieval, uh, Legacy of Cain. Legacy of Cain was my shit. <laughs> Fe- uh, Fear Effect, which everybody got all crazy because of all the the the, the quasi lesbian tendencies. <laughs> you know, dude, clock. You want a, a shitty game? Clock Tower. Oh my god! <laughs> Didn't make like three of those. Yeah, dude, what a festering pile of garbage that game was. I will say this, though. Mortal Kombat The Collection was the shit. I mean, I definitely agree with that. One game everybody should probably pick up if they're a Mortal Kombat fan is the um, that that MK Ultimate Edition yep. that's still out for like PS3 and the 360. Yep. I think it's like 20 bucks now, and it gives you like everything, including Freddy Krueger. 
Well, yeah, that too. But you know I what? I was in a Mortal Kombat stand like that. I, I recommend it. You know what I what I picked up, and I'll, I'll um I'll wrap it up with this before we move on. Dragon Ball GT Final Bout, which was the Dragon Ball Z fighting game. Which one? It was the Dragon Ball Z fighting which game when one? it first. It was so freaking many. This one was the final boss was a golden monkey, and you were able to use Super <laughs> Saiyan Four Goku to fight this monkey. But the whole thing was that that game became so highly sought after. That years later, I sold that game on eBay for a, a couple of hundred dollars. Hundred. It was ridiculous. Speaking of which, before you close out, I want to give a big fuck you to the, the freaking eBay scalpers, which that kind of includes my friend Rich. <laughs> hey. Quick to sell things hey. at a high price. Absolutely. But just because with the Amiibo situation. Ah, you, like, you saw that shit, right? Things that people... Yeah, you take away things that people like myself might just want to collect <laughs> and make it fucking $2,500 for a, a Samus Amiibo because instead of a gun arm and a regular arm, she has two gun arms. Right. I'm like, really? But here's, here's, my, here's my thing with eBay, and I, and, I'm gonna, and I am guilty of it. Yeah, sometimes I buy doubles. Fuck, I buy triples. I was the guy that had a dude at Toys R Us when Marvel Legends were the shit. And I used to pay that I used to slip that guy a 20 to call me or text me when he when he got cases and what was in them. This was how serious I took my shit. And part of it was collecting and part of it was eBay. And the way I see it is there's scalpers and there's people that you know you're just making money. Listen, that amiibo when you look at it, you could just be like, "Oh, it was a fuck up." That's it. The fact that somebody genuinely paid $2,500 for that, they did that on their out of their own volition. I bet you that guy didn't think yeah, he was going to... Yeah, I was gonna... about to say, I mean, people on eBay kept bidding and boosted that price yep. $2,500. Absolutely. And whoever won it was like, yeah, I'll pay that. And it's like, really? You would? Why? Like, the shit just came out. I can understand if it was some shit that randomly popped up. The shit just came out. It's like what happened with the um the Smash Brother controller, the Super Smash Brothers controller adapters. Dude, they just disappeared and now they're on eBay 50, 60, 70, 80, 100. Crazy. I mean, you know, I I collect the Funkos. Everybody knows I collect the Funkos and for every one Funko I buy for myself, there may be one or two occasional store exclusives <laughs> I buy myself. Partially for investment purposes and partially because, ah, eh, maybe I like that guy and I'll pick him up. Great, a great example. Uh, this glow in the dark crow. I picked up this glow in the dark crow. He is a hot topic exclusive. He is the 25th anniversary exclusive for the crow. I like the crow. It's a great movie. Did I really need to own this motherfucker? Not really. The fact that he glows in the dark is pretty fucking cool. And if I decide a year from now, two years from now, I decide to sell them, I didn't pay full price. So, you know, bully for me. You know what I'm saying? Or, or my, unmasked, my unmasked Bruce Wayne Batman, which was a Target exclusive. Since what, you know shit is serious when Target has a fucking exclusive. Target. Pretty much. Exactly. So, again, I am guilty of that. Yes, I perpetrate that stereotype, but... I I don't twist no one's fucking arm for that shit. If some guy felt that he wanted to buy a $2,500 Amiibo, you know, 
he's a fool. Simple as that. Um, and like, that's why that's why I eased off. I was just mad because it's like having heard about it, I was like, that would be something that I would like to just have myself. Right. I'll pay the thirteen dollars for it if I see it. Right. But uh wouldn't pay a cent more. I wouldn't even pay a full thirteen since it's you know, twelve ninety nine. But I'll be so but I'll be I'll be real with you. If you knew that they had that for that somebody got twenty five hundred dollars and you saw one, hell, you saw two, you would not for the slightest second hesitate to possibly see if you could get a couple of hundred bucks for it. You wouldn't take the I mean, gamble. You wouldn't take the gamble? Because fuck I would. Shit, thirteen dollars to get a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand couple of hundred shit for twelve dollars to get five hundred hey that's a gamble i'm i am ready willing and able to take i hear you like that's why like i said i backed down because of like the guy puts it up on ebay it's the people that are there that freaking make it that price absolutely and that's the thing that's the thing that gets me you know that people are just like yeah you know uh thirteen hundred dollars fourteen hundred dollars whatever the case may be hey hey People kept bidding. Sometimes I put shit up and I'm like, all right, at least if I break even, I'll feel good. And then I get an alert and it's like, oh, your item sold for $100 more than you wanted. I'm like, fuck, all right, cool. You know, then I got to obviously chase the person down to pay for the shit. But again, it's a, it's a buyer's market. I, like I said, I would, I, if, I, if that figure went for $50, $100, $200, I'd be like, all right, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a mistake and mistakes are worth money. You know, it's the same thing with stamps, coins, dollar bills, you know, Kim Kardashian before all the surgery. You you get the idea. I get the idea. <laughs> but um, I wanted to close out with one other bit of nostalgic news. Uh, SNK Playmore will be releasing select games from their Neo Geo back catalog on the PlayStation Network, starting with next year's release of Metal Slug 3, hitting PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Vita. Um, of course, Metal Slug 3 did see an upgraded uh, Steam release earlier this year uh, with online multiplayer and leaderboard support. Uh, the Xbox Live Arcade version originally was released in 2008. So we're going to probably see other ones, and some of the ones that have been listed thus far included uh, Sengoku 3, Garou Mark of the Wolves, Samurai Showdown 5 Special, and Last Blade 2. I know for a fact that I that Guru Mark of the Wolves is being bought by me. Samurai Showdown Five will definitely be bought by me, especially if it gets remastered for the PS4 and Last Blade also. I wish they'd either do they'd fix the anthology and put that out because the controls on the PS3 for that were kind of bad. Yeah, dude, I, I think the, I streamed um, that on the the anthology briefly. I put it in my Blast from the Past on YouTube. But I definitely wish. Fuck five. I want two. Yeah, two two is like the quintessential, like the perfect version. Actually, in the arcade, beat that game with every character and somehow managed with Halmaro to beat that game on one quarter. I was always... And I, during that playthrough, I actually fought the, the ref, too, and beat his ass. Nice. You know what I want to see? his ass super cheesy. I'd like to see them do a remastered version, if we're talking Neo Geo games, of Magician Lord. How old is that game? Dude, I played the shit out of that game on the Neo Geo machines that had like five games on it. It was Magician Lord, Art of Fighting, 
Metal Slug, and some really shitty soccer game they had. You gotta get that that sound bite. You know that that little family that the 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 five game arcade cabinet would have when it showed the Neo Geo logo. Yep, it would you play the jingle. The it would play the jingle. Yeah, dude, exactly. but I need. I need that magician lord in my life. You know what I also need? And and this is, uh, uh, I'm begging and pleading. Sega, can I get a new version of Chakan the Forever Man? That's me dating myself. Chakan. <laughs> yeah, dude, Chakan, Chakan the Forever Man. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Google that shit because that's a fucking classic. That and, and, and a, um, I'd like to see a remastered HD version of Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3. I'm simple. I want something from Atari. I want a game from way back. Can I get a fucking remake of Peter Packrat? If I, if I had to pick something from my Atari days, it would be Berserk. And that wow. stupid electrified wall. Dude, that, that stupid electrified wall where you just fucking touch it, you get shocked. You're like, fuck! <laughs> there were, that, that was probably one of the few times that I cursed out loud and my mother heard me. She's like, what was that? Nothing. <laughs> a lot of that. I'll kill you. Exactly. It was a lot of that. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that I um I was really happy to go down memory lane with you guys. Um definitely talking, especially with the anniversary of PlayStation. Uh do yourselves a favor if you can. Um find a a PlayStation 2 or a, or a PS3 with backwards compatibility and go on eBay, go to your local play and trade, any place that sells retro shit. You can get the stuff sometimes for two, three bucks, four bucks, and reacquaint yourselves with some of those games when things were a lot simpler. You know, Street Fighter EX, not the greatest game ever, but a really funky cast, you know? I always like the announcer from Street Fighter EX2 Plus. Yep. Because <laughs> he, his voice was just extra. Oh, I was fantastic. Alan happy. Snyder! His voice is extra happy. Oh, dude. Not- He's like, Street Fighter EX2 Plus. I was like, wow. Oh, dude, his, when he would, <laughs> like I said, he'd be like, Alan Snyder, dot, D Dark, Pullumperna. Fantastic. great. It was so terrible. Nothing beats using Cracker Jack and hitting someone with a baseball bat. So awful. Yes. But, um, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is actually going to wrap up our gaming segment. Slick, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, I, I am dreading to see how high the pricing goes on that that reskinned PS4. Yeah, because... But to all who make money off it, you know, more power to you. Well, for those of you that do want to pick it up, it is, once again, a reminder, it is 500 bucks. There are 12,300 units worldwide. Let me remind you, that original gray finish 20th anniversary console is $500, and there are 12,300 units worldwide. If you want to pick one up, you can pre-order starting Saturday, December 6th via Sony's online store. If you want to get in on it, that's what you got to do. Be a part of history if you got $500 burning a hole in your pocket. Otherwise, be like the rest of us plebs and go pick up a PS1 with that stupid monitor attached to the lid. <laughs> Anything else? No, I'm good for now, man. All right, man. Thank you for uh, joining me on this trip down memory lane. All right, man. Talk All to right. you later. All right.
All right, that was our very own Slick. You can follow him on Twitter at MTR Slick, and you can always interact with him on our Facebook fan page. Well, with that said, let's jump into this week's entertainment news. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of great news stories, a lot of casting news, and I want to get that ball rolling. So uh, let's hop to it, shall we? If you guys were were wondering why I have my my phone, I'm checking it all the time. It's because I have a um a timer to try and keep me within the confines of what I set for the show. Uh, yesterday's uh, wrestling and MMA segment went almost uh, into the three hour range, so we definitely don't need that. <laughs> but in any event, let's get the ball rolling with some entertainment news. And um, our very own Mortis in the chat asked me about the new uh, 007 film. And um, before I get into it, I have to say I am a huge James Bond fan. I, I love all the stuff from from the campy Roger Moore to the terrible George Lazenby going back to the original, the original Sean Connery, the original OG. Hell, I even like the, the Timothy Dalton movies with uh, License to Kill being my favorite out of the two. Uh, the Pierce Brosnan movies I have a soft spot for because they were a healthy mix of Roger Moore and a little bit of Sean Connery. But um, when Daniel Craig jumped in there with Casino Royale, I knew we were getting a darker, grittier, and more fucked up Bond. And they definitely have done an amazing job. Don't get me wrong, Quantum of Solace wasn't great, but they redeemed themselves with Skyfall. Skyfall was an amazing film, and they're continuing that momentum with the brand new film, which is um, aptly named Spectre, which for those of you that don't know, Spectre is the evil organization that counters MI6 and 007. The leader of Spectre is Ernst Stavro uh, Blofield, who's been played by by a ton of legendary actors, including Telly Savalas, Donald Pleasance, and if rumors are to be believed, Christoph Waltz will be playing um, Ernst Stavro Blofield and the leader of Spectre also announced for the cast is Andrew Scott, who is joining as a, a Spectre agent as well. For those of you that don't know, Andrew Scott plays Moriarty on Sherlock, and he is an amazing actor. His work as Moriarty on Sherlock is tremendous. So I know him and 007 are going to have some epic, epic screen time. In addition to that, um, uh, good old Dave Batista, aka Drax the Destroyer, aka Blue Tista, is um, going to join the series as a villain known as Hinch, H I N C H. And what they're hoping to do is create a villain as iconic as Jaws, um, who again was one of one of the most iconic James Bond villains, showing up in multiple films. Uh, Dave Batista once again having the last laugh, not only as Drax and with Marvel, but now also becoming a part of the 007 series as well. Daniel Craig and the rest of the cast from Skyfall, obviously excluding Judy Dench, of course, her character M, um, you know, spoiler alert, she died in Skyfall and uh, Ray Fiennes ended up becoming the new M at the end of that series. But uh, at the end of that film, um, very excited. Like I said, huge James Bond fan. I'm really looking forward to it. 
I, I feel that the casting, um, you know, when you're taking guys like Christoph Waltz, Andrew Scott, um, you know, characters like that, that are, you know, actors like that, that can just bring these iconic characters to life. I mean, a lot of people, when James Bond, when Daniel Craig was announced as James Bond, they were like, oh, you know, James Bond is James Blonde. I, I really didn't give a shit because it's not about the hair color. It's about James Bond being a badass dude. Um, when there were rumors that they wanted to go with African-American James Bond, it didn't bother me either way because it's all about the stories. If you've read uh, 007, um, if you've read 007 books, the, the Ian Fleming novels, your your interpretation of James Bond was based on your imagination. That was the beauty of books. And even seeing so many of these iconic stories translated to film, as long as they do the books justice and they're entertaining, there are certain things that I'm willing to look past. I mean, you know, the, the same thing with Idris Elba as Heimdall. We're going to talk about the the um, John Boyega in Star Wars. I definitely want to talk about that. So, again, 007, Spectre, um, an amazing cast. Uh, again, so many great actors. Um, I'm super hyped. Plus, they showed a brand new Aston Martin that um, Daniel Craig will be driving in that film. Of course, Aston Martin cars are iconic with 007. Um, during the Brosnan days, we did go BMW. But then we brought it back to the car that belonged on screen, and that is the Aston Martin. Uh, I see Dark Helmet is shocked uh, with what happened with Judy Dench. Dude, you need to see Skyfall because the way they did it, man, was right. Skyfall is probably one of the best out of the um, Daniel Craig series. I, I, I used to say that it was a tie with Casino Royale because Casino Royale was fantastic. But, you know, Skyfall had just so much going on. Uh, you know, the iconic villain, um, just so much great storytelling. Plus, you know, acknowledging that James Bond's methods are antiquated was just a really cool concept. So, again, I'm really hyped for Skyfall. I mean, uh, excuse me, for Spectre. And um, it's being directed by the guy that did Skyfall. And that's hitting theaters. I believe it is no uh, November 2015. If I'm correct, I did not copy the date down. But I'm hoping it's November 2015 because I know that's a guaranteed box office draw for yours truly all right so let's talk about the big story the elephant in the room suicide squad now before i get into the casting for suicide squad i do want to explain to those of you that are not well versed in um in comics who the suicide squad are now there's a couple of ways that you can be introduced to the suicide squad number one is if you watched arrow on the CW, you've probably seen the Suicide Squad there. Uh, basically, it is a group of villains, uh, usually managed by Argus um, and Amanda Waller, and they usually have explosives implanted in their necks, and they're sent on the missions that other people just aren't aren't willing to do. You're going to send the villains out there to do what they got to do, and um, the Suicide Squad is, like I said, very iconic. There have been various interpretations, but most of the guys that are associated with the squad are guys that you've either seen in Batman books, uh, Flash books, Green Arrow books, or like I said, if you've been watching the television series, you've probably seen some of them on the Arrow TV series as well. Well, in, in DC's efforts to create a shared universe on par with Marvel, we are getting a big screen adaptation of the Suicide Squad. Uh, the director of, of Brad Pitt's Fury is going to be directing that and um, it looks it looks promising. So I want to I want to run down the cast with you guys. Uh, first up, 
the rumor was that Jared Leto was going to be playing the Joker. That rumor is 100% true. Jared Leto will be playing the Joker. Uh, in addition to that, um, Will Smith will be playing Deadshot, which is very interesting, number one, because I've, I'm not used to Will Smith being in an ensemble cast. Number two, I'm curious if he's willing to do that wearing the full Deadshot mask or if they're going to go with how they did an arrow and give him the laser the laser monocle over the one eye. So very interesting if they're going to do that. Uh, Tom Hardy's going to be playing Rick Flagg. Uh, Cara Delvine is going to be playing the Enchantress. And um, Margot Robbie is going to be playing Harlequin. Now, of course, everybody's pumped that Harley Quinn is going to be on the big screen. And Margot Robbie, if you've seen her on The Wolf on Wall Street, um, you're probably going to be okay with her casting slick. If you could do me the honors of pulling up uh, Margot Robbie, Wolf on Wall Street uh, uh, with Jordan Belfort, it's a scene where she's wearing a pink dress and they're inside a room in in, um, Jordan Belfort's house. You'll understand when you see the clip. Please do me the honors of dropping that in the chat room so you guys can see what you have to look forward to with Margot Robbie as Harley. Now, uh, Cara Delvine, like I said, she will be playing the Enchantress. Um, Cara Delvine, I know her as a model, and usually I see her making out with Michelle Rodriguez, but I really don't know how well her acting chops are going to be. Um, the other addition is Jai Courtney. He will be playing Captain Boomerang. Now, Jai Courtney, is he's a unique actor because... I was first introduced to his work in Spartacus alongside the late, great Andy Whitfield. Um, He played the character of Varro, and he was very good in that show. And then I don't know what happened, but they started really trying to go hard to get Jai Courtney to become like this mainstream guy. I always look as Jai, I always look at Jai Courtney as bootleg Sam Worthington. Oh, and you know, Sam Worthington, I look at as, you know, less talented young Rutger Hauer. Um, (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Slick. You are the man. Um, but yes, you, you know, the uh, he's going to be playing Captain Boomerang. And while initially you look at it and you feel that the casting is legit and, you know, you're basically getting a dirty dozen with supervillains. Plus, there's a rumor that Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor from Superman and Batman will also be involved. It just leads me to believe that it's going to there's there's a lot of positives and very little negatives. But again, Much like the Avengers, you have to structure it in a way where each character gets ample screen time. And I'm sure some of the characters in that film are going to get killed off anyway. But obviously, the return of the Joker to the big screen is um, is definitely going to be interesting. Uh, Which which actor are you talking about, Danny? Jai Courtney? Jai Courtney was he was in Live Free for or Die Hard. He's in Terminator Genesis. Um, he, like I said, he was in Spartacus. Uh, what else was he in? He was in a, he was in a couple of, a couple of movies, but like I said, they keep trying to get him as like this, this heartthrob, this next big star. And all I look at is bootleg Sam Worthington, but that's just me. In any event, Suicide Squad hits theaters August 5th, 2016. We're going to be watching this with much interest. Of course, there's a lot of people, um, having fun with Photoshop, et cetera, et cetera. The only thing I did want to talk about, and this was something that I wanted to say for the end, was Amanda Waller. Now, for those of you, like I said, that that are versed in Suicide Squad, you know that Amanda Waller pretty much pulls the strings. Now, depending if you if you watch uh, any DC animated shows or read any comics, you know that 
Uh, Amanda Waller is a heavyset African-American woman. Um, if you watch Arrow, you know that she is played uh, by, a, by a thin actress who uh, did amazing work in Spartacus. Um, well, with regards to her casting in this film, here are the, the, the actresses that they're considering. They're looking at Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, and Oprah Winfrey. I kid you not. Oprah Winifrey is Amanda as Amanda Waller is. I don't I don't even know how to take that. And I figured I would drop that nugget in the pool because I know that Slick is going to have something memorable to say. Um, yeah, Andrew Scott is in James Bond. He's um he's uh playing one of the Spectre agents. Dan, you were right. I think uh, I just moved a little too quick. But yes, Oprah, Win- Oprah Winfrey. Viola Davis or Octavia Spencer are in line for uh, Amanda Waller. Me personally, I'm more partial to CCH Pounder. I think that um, you know, I I think I think uh, CCH Pounder would have been a a better Amanda Waller, and she definitely should be considered. But again, that's just me. Um, if not a Ama- if not CCH Pounder, I would probably go with Lynn Thigpen. Um, who, of course, some of you may remember from Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. But um, those are those are my choices. Lynn Thigpen or CCH Pounder. I think Lynn Thigpen might be a little older for the role. But I always felt that she kind of worked as Amanda Waller and like, you know, fanboy casting. But we'll see what happens. I'm curious to see if Oprah would be willing to to take a role like that, you know, just like a comic book role and not something serious or or overly dramatic. So again, once we get more news about this, we will definitely share it with you guys. In some in some Disney news, uh, they have a brand new animated feature that they're working on called Moana, and it looks like The Rock will be involved, uh, voicing a character named Maui, who is a demigod that aids a young girl on a quote unquote nautical adventure. Of course. Um, the rock is definitely expanding into a ton of roles between his involvement in Shazam and fast and furious. Now he's lending his voice to Disney characters. And there's also a rumor that he may be taking over Mark Wahlberg's role in the next transformers film. It really shows that the rock as an actor and as a big screen box office draw has come a long way from the days of the scorpion King. So, um, there you have it. The Rock is a very, very busy guy. Obviously, once we hear more with regards to any of these roles, we will definitely share it with you guys. The last time The Rock lent his voice to a voiceover role was um, Planet 51 from 2009. He was the voice of, I believe it was either the human astronaut or the alien, but I remember that that movie was fucking terrible. I hated it. But again, um, that's kind of where The Rock is right now. He's doing Moana the fast and furious and of course shazam and of course once i get more news and more updates i will share it with you guys now (laughs) oh slick slick writes that i hate comedy (laughs) i'm not i'm not opening up that pandora's box but i do want to talk about one particular thing that i shared on the fan page and i definitely got to remind all of you if you are fans of the hbo series the wire 
Be advised that they are remastering the Wired television series, and they will be doing a marathon of all 60 episodes starting December 26th on HBO Signature, and it will be available later on on HBO Go. And if you want to use other services, Google Play, iTunes, etc., you'll be able to watch The Wire in full HD starting January 5th. December 26th for HBO and HBO Go, and January 5th for all other providers. Now, if you're like me and you like to buy the occasional Blu-ray, you can pick up The Wire on Blu-ray in HD starting uh, summer 2015. So once I get an official release date, of course, I will share it with you guys. The Wire is an incredibly under is an incredibly underrated show. If you're a fan of shows like The Sopranos, Boardwalk Empire, Sons of Anarchy, you need to check out The Wire. It's it's gritty, it's grimy, and there's so much great acting. So many people just delivering memorable lines, and um, you know, it's just it's just Michael K. Williams was amazing as Omar, uh, Idris Elba, Stringer Bell, tremendous. Uh, just like I said, an amazing cast, a great series. And if you want to do some binge watching in HD, December 26th is your date. All right, so I got some what the fuck movie news and it involves the brand new Fantastic Four reboot, which they actually released a plot synopsis for. Now, uh, Michael B. Jordan is playing Human Torch. Kate Mara will be the Invisible Woman. Um, I believe Miles Teller is going to be the thing, and Jamie Bell is going to be Mr. Fantastic, with Toby Kebbell as the one and only Doctor Doom, or in this case, Doom. In any case, uh, the plot synopsis for the film is as follows. The Fantastic Four is a contemporary reimagining of Marvel's original and longest-running superhero team and centers on four young outsiders who teleport to an alternate and dangerous universe which alters their physical form in shocking ways. Their lives are irrevocably upended. The team must learn to harness their daunting new abilities and work together to save Earth from a former friend turned enemy. Now, it clearly looks like they are borrowing from the Ultimate Fantastic Four universe because we know for a fact that it sure as fuck isn't the Ultimate, I mean, isn't the Marvel 616 universe. Anyway, Marvel's definitely doing going out of their way to kill the buzz for this movie because it just sounds like a, like a disaster. But like any good train wreck, you want to definitely look to see what kind of bodies they pull out of the wreckage. So if you want to do that, August 7th, 2015 is your target date. I uh, just got a communique that Slick has something to add to that, so let me bring him on board. Slick, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? So what do you got for me? I saw that you mentioned uh, The Walking Dead, so um, very interesting that you bring up that show for a multitude of reasons, but by all means, share your share your gripe, sir. Uh, basically, just wanted to um, talk about the mid-season finale that aired this past Sunday. If you haven't seen it, I don't care. It's been, I don't know, it's like five days at this point. So if you don't want to hear spoilers, just tune away for a while because there's just no reason not to if you're a fan. (laughs) But anyway, you know, we're in in season five now. I've had my gripes with the the TV show, but after last season, I was hooked again. Right. And, you know, coming into season five, I was very happy, you know, especially with the whole scene with Bob, which, you know, ties back to the comics, albeit with a different character. Right. And then they give this mid-season finale. Okay. This was by far 
the worst episode of The Walking Dead since Sophia came out of the barn as a zombie. Okay. Now, why was why do you feel that way? Not well. For one, it's it's the same type of situation. We had this whole buildup of trying to find this person, only to have them dead. Gotcha. And just the episode in general, the episode in general, when people watched it, it was enjoyable because it had a lot of shock value. Right. From the very beginning, where Rick runs the guy down, all the way to the end, there was a lot of shock value moments. Absolutely. And that's what kept it going as it aired. Then you let it sink in and you think about the shit that happened in the episode and you realize how fucking stupid this episode was. Let's start from the beginning. You got good old Bob the cop who knocks out Sasha last week and runs off. Right. Motherfucker, your hands are bound in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and you're running away from people who, although they're holding you hostage, they're essentially protecting you. Because, once again, your hands are bound <laughs> in the zombie apocalypse. Right. Where the fuck are you going? In the middle of densely populated Georgia. I mean, Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Where all the fucking zombies are. Right. Where are you going? Understandable. Move forward a cu- about two minutes. Rick is chasing you in a car. On the loudspeaker, saying stop. Now, you've already seen that this guy is not wrapped too tight. <laughs> and he's chasing you in a car. <laughs> and once again, your fucking hands are bound. This is true. He's going to A, he's going to A, shoot you. Or B, run you the fuck over. Either way, should you survive, your hands will still be bound. <laughs> and now you can't even fucking run. Dude. I got so, I, I got again. Hold on a second. I got to stop you there because I, I got to tell you when he hit that fucking guy with the car, I laughed like a fucking kid. <laughs> All you heard was he, 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 go down. Cop go down. <laughs> dude, but it was, oh, dude. And Rick Grimes just telling him to shut up because he was and just, he's like, just fucking nuts. Not giving a fuck. Fantastic. Rick hasn't given a fuck since the bar in episode three. Dude, every time Rick Grimes just goes That's crazy and start killing Rick, people. Giving a fuck. Every time that Rick Grimes goes crazy, all I tell my wife is, it's Grimes time. That's it. Because you no, I know. Just, I just do it Dave Chappelle style. I just go, I'm Rick Grimes, bitch. Dude, he just, it just zero remorse. Like, like. You know, to to jump ahead a little bit, just because you know, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor it too much. I will say when Tyrese was like, "Yeah, man, we should just sneak into the hospital," you know, keep it quiet, and Rick is like, "Nah, we should just go in there and fucking kill everybody." So <laughs> good, and Daryl's like, "Yo, motherfucker, chill. We can't kill everyone." Rick is like, "No, no, no. Everybody gets killed. Fuck it, shoot them all." Daryl's like, "I can't be pulling an arrow out of some fat guy's head, man. Come on, talk the shit out." Oh Love that dude. I love. I love just Rick Grimes. Is just every everything. His response to everything is kill it. <laughs> At this point, yeah. It's like Rick. I you think Judith needs a diaper change. You, <laughs> it's like his bottom line is keep my group safe. Yep. Everybody else, fuck you, dude. Somebody's gonna be like Rick. Judith needs a diaper change. He's gonna be holding her over like a wood fire. What? This is a problem, Coral. Coral. This is a problem. <laughs> change this kid. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he runs him down and does him the favor of shooting him in the head. Because, like I said, 
hands down. Yep. Fucking back is broken now, so legs ain't working. So where the fuck you going? Dude they was doing him a favor at that point. Dude was doing his best Stephen Hawking impersonation. Had he he would have brought him back safe. <laughs> what happened? I said, dude was doing his best Stephen Hawking at that moment. Exactly. All had kinds he of stuff. Up. Like you told him to, he'd have brought him back safely, and yep. Bob would probably still be alive. But to, to go with what Mortis said, The Walking Dead hates Bobs. As hates soon as Bob. as soon exactly. as Sasha looked over and she's like, "My name's Bob," I said, "Your name's dead." As soon as I heard, oh, my name's Bob. My name's, it doesn't matter what your name is because you're going to be dead. Exactly. So let's move on to the fucking priest who I wish his name was fucking Bob right now. From last week when he took that machete and started freaking peeling his way out of the church, I'm like, where the fuck is this dude going? Then he crawls out of the church and brings the zombies from the school back to the fucking the, the church after he gets to see Bob's leg. Yeah, but you know... I'm like... Go ahead. That was fucked up, y'all. You didn't have to show us Bob's leg. That was fucked up. <laughs> you, you know what it is? I wanted... I, I understood the validity of that scene. And, and again, this is just me and, and the, the horrors of me taking film class when I was, when I was in high school. Um, I understood the, the, the methodology for that because they needed to reinforce to the priest that dude... Kumbaya and prayer is not gonna fix this shit. You need to you need to grab that machete and start and start dicing a dude's fucking rotted head open to survive. So when when they killed the people in the church, he's like, but but why? They surrendered. And you know, Rick Grimes is like, motherfucker, they were gonna eat us. Get your shit together. And he didn't understand that. So for by him going out there and being like, oh shit, Bob's leg is over a Korean barbecue grate. Shit just got real. Fuck, I better I better I better man up. And in manning up, obviously he brought all the zombies back. But again, I don't mind because I got to see Michonne go in there and do her best fruit ninja impersonation, lopping heads off left and right. So it's all good. I don't understand how she's running with the kid in a burlap sack and the kid's head is covered. <laughs> like 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 is there a is you there a baby in there? When you put it that way, yeah, you know but what? It is? Still, with his his explanation, I, I, I just had to see, motherfucker. What did you have to see he when need- they found you? Your ass was up on a rock. Yep. With zombies trying to make you lunch, you've already seen them. So what the fuck did you need to see? No, that's what it was. It was exactly. It was the moment of clarity and the fact that even as a religious human being, as a, as a holy person. There are certain things that you just I'll be I'll be honest. And I know people like this in the real world that they'll think that everything can be solved with solved by prayer It's the same thing. Like in my big fat Greek wedding where everything can be solved with Windex. Same shit. Oh, look, there's an asteroid hitting the planet. Prayer. Start praying, everybody. It's going to magically push the fucking asteroid to the left. All that prayer, it's like, listen, unless all that prayer is going to charge a big-ass ball being held over a guy who looks quasi-Japanese with spiky hair, it don't mean a fucking thing. But, but that's what I mean. And, and the way they did that, that's why, like I said, you got, you know, you got to look deeper, th- deeper than that in some instances. And I, and I do because I'm guilty of it. You know, you see that scene and you're like, why the fuck would he need to see that? Because he needed to validate the fact that, yo, shit is really fucked up when a motherfucker is eating 
another motherfucker. Like dudes are dudes are getting dudes are getting tired of eating sauerkraut. No, he's a moron. Don't get me wrong. So fucking stupid, and I wish his name was Bob. Oh yeah, don't get me wrong, dude. He's an idiot. But think about it. He's like, yo, dudes are getting tired of eating franks and beans and old sauerkraut when motherfuckers are eating a guy's leg. Shit just got real. (laughs) You know. Move on to the one scene in the whole show that did make sense. Go ahead. The fucking elevator scene. That scene made sense because when dude came in and heard their discussion. One of those three had to fucking go. Yep. As soon as as soon as I saw the scene, I was like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> it's like it's like the chick the cop chick likes Beth. Beth just wants to live. This dude just wants to get laid. Well, you're going you're going down the shaft with blue balls. See you later. Bye. And then let's come to the final scene. <laughs> where Beth thought this, that this was Oz. Well, Here's, here's she wanted to be tough. Oh yeah, she, she wanted didn't to be, want to be the prison bitch. She wanted to be tough. There was absolutely, positively, no reason whatsoever that Beth had to die. And I'm not saying this because I care about Beth. I'm saying this for common sense. Bitch, <laughs> the the bitch you don't like has a gun in her hand. You got a pair of scissors. What the fuck do you think is the outcome of that? You don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Well, you know why Beth had to die, right? You want to know why? Because everyone hates Chris. Well, yeah. Beth had to die because if Beth didn't die, absolutely nothing happened of worse in this episode. You you get the That's reference. Why Beth had do, to die. do you not get the reference? Of course I get the reference. <laughs> you just glossed over the before. shit. You just glossed over the shit and, and leveled any level I of... Gl- I glossed over it because this is Black Rage time. <laughs> That's why I glossed over it. I did not ignore it, good sir. I always appreciate your humor. Oh, dude. But this is Black Rage time. <laughs> bitch, you could have come back and you could have saved Chris. Fuck that. You could have saved Noah. But with your dumb ass wanting to be tough, you almost got everybody fucking killed. Yeah, but when you-, you stabbed that bitch and she blew your brains out... Rick went Rick Grimes mode and was about to take everybody the fuck out. Yeah, but Daryl went Rick Grimes mode because he was crying. The and be- everybody was going to get gunned down in that fucking bloodbath. Dude, that, the be- that shit would have ended in a bloodbath in the real world. Yeah, but you know what's funny about that? Daryl wasted no time in splitting that chick's wig. And it took like... Oh, like, hell no. And, she, and- she had to... Like I said, it was the elevator scene all over again. She had to go. Yo, and the and the best part was that the that the chick that they let go, she was like, "Joe, chill, chill, chill. I'm not trying to die in this hospital lobby. Not trying to do that over this bitch." Exactly, and that's again, like, like I knew for a fact, and I said it. I'm like, somebody's gonna make the sacrifice. Like Beth knew that she, I had, you know, she knew she was gonna die. It's like, yo, you stabbed the bitch in the neck with a scissor, good, bad, or ugly. Yo, shit's getting fucked up. <laughs> I'm like. Oh, here's the best part. Uh-oh. Here's the best part. Maggie, bitch, let's go back to last season. When they told you your sister was missing, your ass was like, okay, where's Glenn? Yeah, because she's trying to get laid, dude. You found, you found Glenn. Glenn almost turned into barbecue, but you found Glenn. You saved Glenn. Right. You was all happy again because you found your dick. Right. And you didn't say for one second... Okay, let's go find my sister. You was just happy that you could start fucking again. Right. But let's be real. But when Daryl carries out Beth's carcass, yep. 
all of a sudden you're going to act like you're Baptist and you, you caught the spirit because you're going to fall the fuck out crying? No, bitch. Yeah, but you, you guys. Care about Beth. I'd cry too, dude. You Who's going to. care about Beth for a full fucking year. <laughs> I'd cry too. Who's going to sing all the campfire songs? Exactly. <laughs> and that, that's why, because I, I said, I said on Saturday afternoon, somebody's going to die tonight. Yep. For you one did. Thing, you did. It's 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 the it's the mid season finale. Yep. Another. They said on Talking Dead there will be a special guest from the cast. Translation. Dead. Somebody's <laughs> gonna die tonight, and that will be the special guest. Translation. Dead. I got it wrong. I got it wrong on who was going to die, but I knew somebody was gonna fucking die. Right. No, it's true. I but like. It's I, like you built up death all this time, and that's why Deathwood was my last my last guest because. You've been building up Beth since the beginning of this season. Right. So that she wouldn't be babysitter bitch that sings lullabies and campfire songs. Exactly. But that's all Beth was since last season. It built her up to be something more than this. But I'll be I'll be I'll be I'll and be honest, you dude. Killed her for no reason. Nope, I'll be honest with you. When they start strengthening the fucking character you least expect, it's cause that motherfucker's going out in a blaze of glory. When Bob stopped drinking but and started, oh, hold on, hold on. When Bob stopped drinking and he started getting, he started smooching with Sasha. I'm like, that motherfucker's dead. <laughs> you know, when 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 Beth pretty much sacrificed that dude to the zombie. You know that that sacrificed that rapist cop to the zombie. I was like, yep, you're gonna die. Because you know what happens? You look at stuff like that, and again, that's just me being me. I'm like, it's either gonna be Beth or Carol. And you need Carol because Carol's fucking Jamie Lee Curtis in True Lies right now. So you got to let her rock. But Beth, eh, whatever. Kumbaya, kumbaya, kablamo, you're dead. See you later. Roll credits. No, you don't need Carol. You don't need Beth either, but no, you don't need Carol. I like Carol, man. She's the only bitch that'll shoot a motherfucker that got a fever. (laughs) 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 I need that in my life. It's like... Does anybody have any NyQuil? Nope, but I got this Magnum. <laughs> I got this AK. The reason why I say you don't need Carol is because for anybody who's ever read the comics, Carol is the one crazy bitch in the entire series who fed herself to a zombie. Right. But you know what it is? Again, and, and Robert Kirkman has said this, you know, they're borrowing from the books, but they're also doing a lot of cool stuff. And what the, what's happening is that they're seeing that certain actors and actresses are developing followings or developing that you can develop greater stories. Like, look at Daryl, dude. Daryl wasn't even supposed to be in the shit. No, I know. And I'm, I'm not expecting them to follow the comic anymore. I'm over that. Yep. But I'm just saying, Carol is... First of all, Carol's following is not positive. No. And if you've seen the meme, motherfuckers do not like Carol. Well, dude, like I said, Carol's all about sniffle control, kid. Sniffle control. Hey, you're feeling a little warm. Carol, what are you doing with that knife? Look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. That's it. Hey, hey, Carol, do you think on our next run we could grab some Advil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, is that a jar of Advil by those flowers over there? No. Dude, that's how it goes. It's like like, like the, 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 the best character in that show besides Rick is Carl. Because Carl is three steps away from going crazy and becoming Rick. No, he's, Carl's actually crazier than Rick. Because Carl's the motherfucker where 
somebody offers to do some shit for you, no, I need to kill my mother. Yep, I got like, this. What? With my stupid hat. No, you don't. Carl and his stupid hat. <laughs> Fuck his stupid hat. Zombie apocalypse. Use some woolite, motherfucker. That stupid hat. Hate it so much. You know where that hat would look good? Attached to his head inside a zombie's mouth. Jesus Christ. Yeah, fuck Carl. Boring ass motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my, I mean, honestly, my guess was Tyrese because Tyrese refusing to use a gun and somehow coming out of like fucking hordes of zombies using his hammer twice. It's like, how the fuck you come out unscathed with a hammer? Because that's the John Shaft of the zombie apocalypse, don't you know? <laughs> it's like, dude, Tyrese to zombies is the equivalent of putting a bucket of fried chicken in front of me. There you go. How the fuck did this motherfucker get away? Same way. Same way That's Ab- what I want to know. Same way Abraham killed a dude in a supermarket with his hand wrapped with something. <laughs> Be- beat a <laughs> motherfucker to death with a turnip. <laughs> yeah, Abraham is a man to hit a dude so hard that he just bounces off a fire truck and hits the ground flat. Like a board. Oh, that fantastic! Was classic. Fantastic, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think the Walking Dead recaps are gonna have to become a thing from now on. Anything else you wanted to add? <laughs> All right, guys. I, if you guys like the Walking Dead recap, please let us know in the show notes, the the fan page, and I promise I will have I, I will add my Black Rage every every week for it. When it comes back in February. Yeah, we gotta we gotta be real extra with it with it. Since it's black rage, it should be the Walking Dead bleak caps. <laughs> I have no problem with that. <laughs> All right, dude. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. Our very own slick, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, let's uh wrap things up. Uh box office totals, of course, the the Hunger Games held on to the number one slot. Uh number two, Penguins of Madagascar, number three. The always enjoyable Big Hero 6. Number four was Interstellar. Number five was the newly debuted, uh, the newly debuting Horrible Bosses 2, followed by Dumb and Dumber 2. The Theory of Everything was number seven. Um, Gone Girl was number eight. Birdman was number nine. And St. Vincent was number 10. So uh, there you have it, ladies and gents. The box office totals uh, pretty solid. The Hunger Games so far, their total has made. $225.7 million. Uh, Big Hero 6 has also cleared the $100 million mark, making 167.2. So has Interstellar and Gone Girl as well. So definitely uh, very, very um, profitable box office season during the Thanksgiving break. Now, I want to switch gears and talk about the uh, in some remake news. A couple of weeks back, we were talking a little bit about the Kickboxer remake and the casting for that. Well, a lot of things have changed since the news broke of the Kickboxer remake being done. Um, originally, Tony Ja was supposed to play the teacher for the character being played uh, by um, by Elaine Moussey. Uh, it, as it turns out, though, Tony Ja had to drop out. So Jean-Claude Van Damme is actually coming back and he will be playing the role of teacher uh, for uh, Elaine Moussey's character who will be playing Kurt Sloan. The part of Tong Po, which I'm sure you guys will appreciate, is being played by Batista. Batista will be playing Tong Po. I don't know if that's going to be really good or really bad. But yes, 
Uh, Batista will be Tong Po. Um, George St. Pierre is also going to be in that movie as well. Um, I'm very curious to see how well that works. And I also want to see how Jean-Claude Van Damme works in a, um, as a teacher to the character that he played so iconically. So once we get more news and a release date for kickboxer, we will definitely share it with you guys. I did want to talk a little bit about, and this was something that I was really, um, I was kind of hyped for this, but then I thought about it a little bit and I, I am using a wait and see approach. Uh, for the last couple of years, they've been tossing around rumors that they wanted to bring the comic book series preacher to the big screen. Well, as it turns out, we are going to get to see preacher on the big, on the uh, small screen, courtesy of Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who will be bringing preacher to AMC. It looks like they're going to run a pilot first, um, which is going to shoot in 2015. And they're going to try and give the series a slate in 2016 on AMC. Now, for those of you that don't know what the preacher series, uh, the book was created by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. And it tells the story of a, of a Texas preacher possessed by Genesis, which is a supernatural entity conceived by the coupling of a demon and an angel. Uh, given this particular um, possession, he gets immense powers and, um, you know, he's, he's paired with uh, a vampire, his old girlfriend. And what they're doing is that his character is setting across America to find God, who apparently um, is not in charge of heaven anymore and wants to um, confront him about his negligence. Definitely uh, very, very touchy subjects digging into certain facets of religion but i'm curious to see what ev uh what goldberg and rogan can do with the story and how well it translates to the small screen on amc again uh preacher will be coming to the small screen in 2016 so definitely looking forward to that um as i mentioned earlier in the show there was going to be some other marvel casting news well uh cliff curtis from uh gang related is going to be the lead in AMC's Walking Dead companion series, uh, which the code name for the series is Cobalt. So there's going to be a, a splinter series for The Walking Dead, and the lead for that right now thus far is Cliff Curtis. Uh, he's joining uh, Frank Delane and Alicia Debnam Carey, and um, that should be on the uh, AMC dock, I believe, next year. And like I said, it's probably going to be given during the periods where The Walking Dead is is off air so if you're a fan of the series be on the lookout for this companion series heading to amc sooner rather than later now on the marvel side of things with regards to casting ryan reynolds sent out a very interesting tweet acknowledging that he is on board for deadpool as of right now the film is scheduled to be released in on february 12th 20 uh, 2016 and um ryan reynolds is very excited for it and it looks like we are actually going to get an R-rated Deadpool film. We'll see how well that goes, but Ryan Reynolds is excited, and considering that the demo reel was incredibly amusing and very well done, I'm looking forward to seeing the development of this film. Of course, once we learn more, we will definitely share it with you guys. On the flip side, Marvel has officially announced their casting for Doctor Strange, and it is Benedict Cumberbatch, one of the actors that was rumored for quite some time. So Sherlock will now become the Sorcerer Supreme with Doctor Strange hitting theaters November 4th, 2016. Now, on the Marvel side, 
for their Netflix lineup, Kristen Ritter will be playing Jessica Jones in the Marvel series based on the on that character. Now, of course, Netflix is doing Daredevil, Jessica Jones. We're also going to be getting um, Luke Cage is going to get his show. And of course, this is all leading to the um, to the inevitable Defenders miniseries as well. So Jessica Jones, Luke Cage and Daredevil are going to lead to the Defenders miniseries as well. So definitely a very good time to be a Marvel fan and watch Netflix. As for Kristen Ritter, I do feel she definitely has to hit the gym a little bit just because Jessica Jones is a very badass character and, um, you know, she's she's got her work cut out for her. But I'll be watching it with much interest and once we get more news, I will definitely make sure to bring that on air and share it with you guys. To answer your question, Slick, yes, Khan is playing Doctor Strange or Khan is strange. That That is 100% accurate, good sir. I, I actually like the casting. I think it's a better casting choice than the rumored Joaquin Phoenix casting. But again, that's just me. In any case, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they bring Doctor Strange to the big screen. And last but not least, I want to close this out with some casting that I didn't even know was going to be done. Um, there was a rumor that Chris Pratt was going was being considered for the role of Nathan Drake in Uncharted. Obviously, after his work as Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, it really is a perfect fit. But it looks like Chris Pratt is going to be doing a Western. Um, Right now, there's a rumor that he will be joining Denzel Washington for a remake of The Magnificent Seven. Um, Right now, it looks like the remake is going to be directed by Antoine Fuqua, who, of course, did Training Day, Olympus Has Fallen, and The Equalizer. So uh, The Magnificent Seven is getting remade. Chris Pratt is being rumored to star alongside Denzel Washington. And like I said, the report goes on to state that Chris Pratt passed on playing Nathan Drake in Uncharted, which is insane. And of course, this news comes courtesy of The Hollywood Reporter. So it is definitely not a rumor. Um, Now, now with that, with that cat out of the bag, I'm curious to see who they're going to get to play Nathan Drake, because originally it was going to be Mark Wahlberg. He left the project and um, to hear Chris Pratt being a guy that was going to be considered uh, was very cool. But obviously, he did pass on the role. So we'll see who gets to play Nathan Drake when Uncharted comes to the big screen. All right. Well, with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's entertainment segment and is also going to wrap up the show for this evening. I just want to take a moment and thank all of our listeners in the chat who added to the conversation this evening. Of course, a uh, big thank you to Slick for adding his um, his wisdom and insanity to this week's show and, of course, uh, uh, taking a little bit off my shoulders because, like I said, this uh, wisdom tooth, while it, it doesn't hurt, it is definitely annoying. So definitely props to Slick for that. Uh, real quick, if you want to get archived episodes of the show, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. But if you want the complete My Take Radio experience... Please take a moment. Oh, wait a minute. Holy cow. I am so sorry about that. I can't I can't wrap up the show yet. I can't do it. I can't. Uh, Dark Helmet reminded me about the Star Wars discussion. And you know what's funny? I had it all the way on the bottom of my notes. And um, yeah, Terminator Genesis 2. So a couple of things. Um, I'll start with, with Terminator Genesis because the trailer came out. I got to put it on Rageworks. And, um, a lot of people really liked it. I really like, 
uh, Byung-Hung Lee as the brand new liquid metal Terminator on par with T-1000. And I also like what I saw with um, Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor. Uh, the beauty of this is that Terminator Genesis is supposed to tie in to the existing Terminator mythology being T-1 and T-2. And um, I do think that those are those are really, really um, those are really awesome parts. I like Arnold Schwarzenegger's involvement because they found a way to tie him into the story in a way that's unique and actually works. So we'll see how much they do with it. Plus, the special effects were out of this world. The only thing that was a little weird, and I don't know, Slick, if you were weirded out by this, there's a scene where Jai Courtney, who plays Kyle Reese, is butt-ass naked, and he's shaking hands with John Connor. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to shake hands with you butt-ass naked before I jump into this machine and go and go back in time. It was a it was a little weird because I'm like, really? That's that's just uh <laughs> it, it was it was a little odd, but then I remembered that when you get sent back through time, you got to be naked anyway. But it's like, oh, we're just going to have this deep meaningful conversation. You know, just a couple of bros shaking hands, me butt ass naked. No worries. Um it was um it was definitely it was definitely cool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on it. I felt I felt there was definitely um uh, a ton of potential there. I think there that it's gonna really really it, it's gonna set things uh, in a brand new direction for the Terminator series. Um, after T2, everything after that just I mean I kind of like the one with Christian Bale, but nothing and I mean nothing beats Terminator 2 which was which was fucking amazing. Again, if you haven't seen the trailer, we will be posting it on rageworks.net, uh hopefully between uh later tonight and tomorrow morning. Uh that is true, Dark Helmet. T2 is god tier. Nothing nothing beats T2. And yeah, Salvation wasn't bad, but it sure as fuck didn't have the same amount of awesome that T2 had, which was tremendous. Definitely just a one of the quintessential action film Everything about that was good. Robert Patrick um, w- was tremendous. Arnold was was badass. Even Edward Furlong made his his character of John Connor really work. But T two, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to action movies during that time period, T two was in a league of its own. Just saying. Um, as I said, and I and I didn't mean to backtrack on the closeout. I did want to just acknowledge the the Star Wars trailer, and I thank Dark Helmet for the reminder. Um, for many of you that have seen the Star Wars trailer, you know that it is approximately 88 seconds, um, and it's 88 seconds of them cramming a bunch of stuff in front of you, uh, and of course, there were, there were memes, there was commentary, the big thing being, obviously, the broadsword-style uh, lightsaber with the hilt, or, or, you know, the cross lightsaber, depending on how you look at it. I have, I have really no, no issue with it as long as it makes sense from a storyline perspective. Um, my bigger concern is John Boyega, who was shown as a stormtrooper. Now, for those of you that haven't seen the trailer, John Boyega is an African-American actor who was uh, who appears in Stormtrooper Guard in Stormtrooper Garb later on in the trailer. And my issue with this is the fact that automatically, and I went to three different forums and read it, and people were just, oh, you know, why is there a why is a black guy why is there a black guy stormtrooper and and you know just just different things just and, and it was all really just race baited stuff and it bothered me because first of all 
this film takes place, I believe it's 20 years after Return of the Jedi. That's number one. Number two, we were well past Stormtroopers being only clones. Number three, did you stop and think for a second that maybe he was disguised as a Stormtrooper and he's not a Stormtrooper to begin with? I mean, there's a lot of things to acknowledge there. There's a lot of things to look at. And for people to automatically find an issue with the trailer with 88 seconds of footage because the Stormtrooper guy is black is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Last time I checked, the future isn't, you know, you know, it's like it's like it's the future. Why can't there be black people? There's green people, orange people, yellow people. Purple people, eaters, hairy people, Ewoks, fucking Jawas, Jar Jar Banks and his weird fucking giant ear having motherfucking people. Come on. It's, there's no necessity. There's no necessity for that to even be a factor. If you want something to complain about, complain about the fact that the trailer was a teaser for a trailer. It's like a trailer for a trailer. Be upset about that because obviously it gets all this anticipation. It gets all this stuff. And when you see it. You're like, eh, all right, broadsword, lightsaber, black stormtrooper, weird droid on a, on, a, on a fucking gerbil ball. Like, that was it. I'm like, hey, look, it's a, it's a droid on a gerbil ball. Nice. Looks kind of cool. But I, I just, you know, I didn't have the same fervor, the same level of quote-unquote rage about 88 seconds. I'm sorry. And for those of you that are upset about an African-American stormtrooper, but are the same motherfuckers that like Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu or are fans of Lando Calrissian and have figures of Lando in your little collections, you guys are fucking hypocrites. The the most iconic voice in cinema, Darth Vader, James Earl Jones, African-American, suck it the fuck up. It was appalling, the stuff I saw in some of those, in, you know, in Reddit, and, and some of those other forums and the fact that John Boyega had to acknowledge it and he was like, listen, you know, you know, go fuck yourselves. It's it really is a, a very, very depressing thing. And again, I know some of you guys are going to be like, but Rich, you're the same guy that complained about Michael B. Jordan playing Human Torch. Yes, I did complain about that, but I didn't complain about it because you were making Human Torch black. I complained about it because there's there was no change to the narrative. There was no change to the narrative. That would have afforded Human Torch being African American. Now, if you would have been the ultimate, it would have been that, you know, he comes from a biracial family and he was African American and Sue Storm was light skinned, then sure, great, but you're just changing shit for the sake of doing something edgy and different and you're completely rewriting the mythology for the sake of Hollywood. Even when you watch the Avengers, you'll see that Nick Fury was African-American because in the Ultimates, in the Ultimate Marvel Universe, Nick Fury, number one, was African-American. Number two, looked like Samuel L. Jackson. That's the way shit is. The same people that complained about Heimdall being African-American. Who cares? You can't be a black Norse god. You can be a black Englishman. Why can't you be a black Norse god? Why can't you be black Irish like Samantha Mumba or Bernie Mac and Charlie's Angels 2? Shamrock Shake, McRib, come on, get the fuck out of here. The fact that people were so angry over an 88-second trailer that focused on a multitude of tiny little scenes and the biggest thing you got from it was, oh, there's a black guy that's a stormtrooper, it's ridiculous. How about this? How about taking a film that's iconic like Star Wars, adding more stories, more narratives, and introducing it to a newer generation? How about that? 
It's it's insane to me. It truly, truly is insane. Slick says Idris Elba is being a bitch about being in Marvel movies, though. He is. He is for, for a multitude of reasons. But that's a that's a separate discussion. But I will say that it's like, you know, Idris Elba is African-American. He's a great actor. He played a very cool role. And whether he liked it or he didn't like being in the movies, the fact is that that shouldn't be an issue for those of us that watch these films. They are a source of entertainment. I didn't know that race and, and you know, the underlying racial overtones were important for your cinematic experience. I'm sorry. You know, like I said, if if they made 007 African-American and Idris Elba expressed interest, which he has in portraying 007, why, why couldn't you do that? Why? You know, kids need role models. Kids need characters they can relate to. Who cares if you do an African-American 007? Who gives a shit? When they did the first story of the first Captain America, who was African-American doing based on the uh, Tuskegee Airmen, people complained about it. Oh, how are you going to make Captain America black? Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, it's a story that makes sense from a historical standpoint. Steve Rogers is always going to be Steve Rogers, but who's to say that he had to have been the first? Who's to say he was the first guinea pig? And the story that was done for that was very well done. I hate to say it, man, but we we are we are in an era where our country, our our you know our families, our workplace are are a diverse, colorful mixture of people. And for people to to not to not find enjoyment in a film or a show or something else because of someone's race, you know, ethnicity or or religious background or whatever the case may be is just it's just sad. It's sad. These guys going on there writing all this shit and I'm like, you know, get out of here. Are you are you that are you that close-minded that you're going to you're going to not enjoy a film because a character a, a character that you may or may not know is being portrayed by an African-American actor? It is stupid to me. It bothers me as a nerd, it bothers me as a geek, you know? And Slick added to that. He said no one is complaining that most of the cast of Exodus is not black. It's true. No one is saying anything. I have my issues with the Exodus film, which is a retelling of Moses' story with the Pharaoh. And yes, the film, there's a lot of whitewashing in that film. There is. And yes, a case can be made. Not everybody in Egypt was black. That's true. But not everybody in Egypt was white either. Sorry, but that's the case. You know, you got Joel Egerton playing the Pharaoh and that motherfucker has like 17 shades of tan, you know? No, but you know, Slick says no one in Egypt was white at that time. And you know what it is, Slick? I'm, I'm using that because that was actually an, uh, uh, an explanation that was given. Oh, well, you know, who's to say that there weren't white people in Egypt? And it's true. Listen, being, being Puerto Rican, I'm brown. But, you know, my nationality comes in, in brown, in white, in really dark, in brown with blonde hair, in blonde with, with dark hair, uh, you know, caramel colored, super black, Mark Absent from night school black, you know, you, come on, it's, it's, it's absurd, it is absurd, you know, it's the same thing, if you want to talk about Hebrews and people of Hebrew descent and you're using that for a film about, uh, you know, Moses and the Ten Commandments, sure, you can have people that were Hebrew and were light-skinned, you can have people that were Hebrew and were dark-skinned, but the fact that you're making Moses, who was Hebrew, being played by by Christian Bale, again, no disrespect to Christian Bale, he's an amazing actor, but, you know, nobody nobody jumps out of their skin to say that, 
hey, this film is whitewashed. Same thing could be said for Dragon Ball Z when Dragon Ball Z was brought here to the U.S. No Asian actors. None. You know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me. It's ridiculous that people get so angry about shit that's not relevant. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's insanity to me. I just, I just, I just don't understand it. And I, I want to take a moment and thank Dark Helmet for reminding me of both of those things, you know, um, for, well, Exodus and to Slick for reminding me about Terminator Genesis, because it's stuff that needed to be acknowledged for different reasons. Genesis, obviously, because people are kind of torn about it and I'm going to take a wait and see approach. But the Star Wars thing in particular, because you're making a case and an argument for 88 seconds worth of film footage. 88 seconds, guys. How about watching the movie? Maybe John Boyega is an amazing actor and he's going to blow everybody's mind. Give the guy a fucking shot. Don't dismiss the guy because, you know, he's not your the ideal shade for you. You know, you know, Slick says they showed Boyega because they knew people complain. Absolutely. Hollywood is smart. Bad press is press. You are a hundred, a hundred and fifty percent right. And that's fine. Yeah. Bad press is press. But the fact that people were genuinely making some of the some real, you know, just really racially insensitive commentary about it was was insane. You know, it was it was ridiculous. There was there was somebody that did a meme and yeah, I laughed at it and they're like, oh, he's still looking for the droids. And they were like, yeah, he's also still looking for his dad, but he won't find him. And I'm like, Ugh. and I cringed, but it was it was it was. Yeah, like it's a picture of him looking in the desert and he's like, oh, man, he's still looking for those droids. And they're like, well, he probably find those droids before he finds his dad. And it just blew my mind because this was on Facebook on Facebook in like a public, not even like, like a veiled group or anything. This was public. I was like, well, shit, somebody made a meme out of that. And it was all, it was, it was from Tumblr and it was brought to Facebook. And again, racially insensitive. Sure. I laughed because it's like, uh, sure. You know, I racial humor. We got to laugh at it. Uh, they definitely, um, slick reminded me of the other picture they showed, which is of the, um, the, the space balls where they were combing the desert and they had an afro pick and they were like we ain't found shit and i remember that and it's true there were shades of that as well but again you see in that context racial humor is funny like i said there's a fine line between your racial humor and your your borderline yo this black guy's on my screen as a white stormtrooper fuck this guy without any merit whatsoever it's sad and it's unfortunate but on this is this is the world we live in folks but i figured uh again props to dark helmet for uh for reminding me of that and props to slick as well for terminator genesis anyway time to wrap things up for real this time uh you've just heard my take radio episode 259 for uh thursday december 4th 2014 i'm your host rich and i gotta thank uh slick and the rest of the MTR family, Quark, Blade, Andrea, Josh, The Rightist, uh, Ben, and all our contributors, and of course our partners and colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine for all their support and assistance. As always, you can find archived episodes of the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. But like I said, the ultimate MTR experience is available via the MyTake Radio app. It's $1.99, available for iOS, Android, and Windows mobile devices. For iOS, of course, you're going to get that on iTunes. For Android, you're going to go to the Amazon Marketplace. And last but not least, of course, for Windows, 
you will go to the Windows Marketplace and get it for your Windows mobile device or your Windows television. Uh, there you have it, guys. That's going to wrap it up. My Take Radio will be back next Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. I will see you guys next week. Again, thank you for listening, and thank you for your continued support. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. <laughs> 